go, guys. Cleveland Moto Podcast number 323. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> that was great. Whoever slammed that drink down just now? That was, epic. That was me hitting that was the, you? the that mic was. boom. With Ooh, the wow, yeah. So I can do oh, that anytime dude. you It's want called to. spatial awareness. Don't ever do that again. It is the equivalent of having my head inside a timpani. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This yeah. makes me so happy so you all know what Great. I've been dealing with. And, and you know what's the worst thing is? These little spring fuckers right here. So yeah. there's little springs on the arm. If you pluck that spring, it sounds... Yeah, don't even do it. Just don't do it. Just don't fucking do it. The sign of a true amateur. Yeah. So uh, here we go. And today, my first... Well, my second ride of the morning happened way too early and I got snowed on. So fuck that shit. I'm just going to open hard and say fuck Mother Nature at this point. That was some that was some crap. I don't want to talk about for April fifteenth. Bad juju. Uh, don't like getting snowed on. To my right, uh, Steve sleeping in a beautiful floral shirt. Thank yeah. you. Very yeah. nice. It was loose, and I'm feeling fat today. So oh, so, but well, you know the Boogaloo boys, boys figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fuck real tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to go Aloha the whole way. Yeah, yeah. It loosens you up, man. And the Alo- the Aloha shirt is exactly that kind of like. I don't care. Right. Right. And I, I might have 15 weapons in here. You don't know. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> and the better thing, too, is, and yet I'm very fun. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm a fun kind of guy. Yeah. That's exactly it. And to my left. Dan Kropke. Who brought fucking Korean food tonight? We are all, everybody at this table right now has had at least two different kinds of chicken, all kinds of fun rice. And where did you get that? We'll give them a plug. What the that hell? was from Banchan. They're up in Parma. Seven Hills. Broadview, Nothing like Pleasant Valley. good Polish Korean food. Straight, <laughs> straight out of Zeban Hills. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. And to his left? Nick DeVito. Nick DeVito. And having ridden in today on a Honda Helix. The Compressor. Der Compressor. Yeah. Steve Hoffert. Very cool, man. Very cool. I, I love would, that Helix. I know you do. <laughs> it does have a bit of an exhaust leak, though. You know, it sounds exactly like a, a old compressor. It does. It does. It, when you pulled <laughs> up, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. And to his left? Johnny Mac. Yay. Turd so, herder. The turd herders. The <laughs> team. You have a team of turd herders. Yeah. Um, it's a whole different kind of Brokeback Mountain. The <laughs> It really is, man. The, uh, so the deal, I, did anybody, was anybody here and saw the Harley Davidson that I got last week in person? I know John did. Oh, yes. So anyone else? No, just the picture. Okay. The Boss Hog one, right? What's that? The Boss Hog white one? It was a white one, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it was white. It was a white 2004 Harley Davidson Road King. It's fuel injected. Um, and that particular bike had the spoke, like actual chrome spoke wheels. Uh, best thing it had was the Harley Davidson flamethrower grips, which are brilliant because they have the knob to adjust the heat lever, like level on the end of the grip. Mm. So some older Harley Davidson touring bikes would have an, a Schrader valve in there and they'd have a Schrader so you could inflate your air suspension uh, through that end of the left grip. This one had a knob to turn up the heated grips, and the heated grips actually had flames, like, you know, everything, you know, flame. So it had flaming uh, grips, but they worked really, really well, super good. And then the bike also had cruise control, which worked really, really well. So, was, you know, well done, Harley-Davidson. That motorcycle for being a twin cam 88, 51,000 miles on it. Somebody had done the obligatory timing cam chain upgrade. So the bike, you know, lives on or lived on. And it rode really nice. It was a decent bike. 
but meth is a powerful drug. Oh, no. And so the guy that came into my shop came into the shop and was kind of like, you guys buy motorcycles? Itchy scratch. And I was like, yeah, of course I buy motorcycles. What you got? I said, if if they're interesting. And he's like, I got a Harley Davidson. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Well, what you got? Oh, it's a... It's a road king. And I was like, oh, okay. Now you got my attention. So I like FLHs. I like long wheelbase, big, chonky. And sports like softtails, like the one behind me. Softtails are okay too, but I prefer a road king or a proper electric ride. I like the longer bikes. They're just roomier. They feel like a Harley should feel going down the road. If I want a bike that doesn't feel like that, Honda and Yamaha have got the bases covered. You know, no shit. Buy a Honda or a Yamaha. They'll last forever. And that's great. And you, you don't have to touch kids or wear fringe. It's cool. <laughs> and uh, it's like, are either of you gay? No, but we're willing to learn. Is there a special class for that? Uh, Stripes was right on the money 40 years ago with that line. But so the, the guy came in and the dude that's is like. That's the fact, Jack. That's the fact, Jack. So. I told him, I was like, just just bring the bike in so I can see it. So he brought the bike in, and I was like, fuck. Oh, this is nice. Like, this is a good bike. And I like white motorcycles to begin with. And it had a decent, you know, quick disconnect windshield on it. had the good bags on it. I was like, this is actually really tidy. So let's find out how desperate this guy is. And I was like, well, you know, what do you need to have for this bike? And he's like, oh, you know. I was like, I got to see the title. I need to see the keys in the title before you say anything else. He brought the title with him, and I said, now I need to see your ID. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no way this, uh, this title matches his ID. It just seems highly unlikely. And he produced an ID with the name on it that matched the title. I was like, holy shit. He had one key, which for Harley-Davidson is kind of remarkable. They use the, pop, the, you know, the Pepsi lock keys. I was like, okay, that's acceptable. I'm good with that. Most people don't lock their Harleys anyway, but what the fuck? So... He's like, well, what will you give me for it? And I was like, ooh, okay, so that's always a win for me. Anytime somebody says, what will you give me for it? That means they don't have a fucking clue. And I can just go bananas. And I was just like, uh, 2200 And the guy was like, no, no, man, I can't, I can't have any less than 4500 for this thing. I was like, 2500 <laughs> and he's like no man seriously i, I need money I, I need money but i i this is a ten thousand dollar bike and i was like it's not a ten thousand dollar bike in the past five years like it ain't a ten thousand dollar bike i'm gonna give you a wake-up call kelly blue book on this thing sixty five hundred bucks retail forty five hundred wholesale but you need money and the value is going down as longer we stand here and i said look three grand or take it away and he goes, I'll take 3000 So I got the bike for 3000 bucks after I test rode it, you know? So I took it for a test ride. Once we negotiated and we knew the number was right, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take it for a ride. And that's my thing is I'll always I'll, we'll agree upon a price and then I'll take it for a ride. And my reason for that is we're agreeing upon a price before the bike has been ridden. Um, if you ever have this done to you, you're probably dealing with me or somebody who went to my class. <laughs> the reason for that is we've established a price and now you've given me every opportunity to, to take it down because anything I discover on the ride is something I didn't know about in the parking lot. So if we agreed at three on a perfect bike in the parking lot, once I go out and ride it, that price is probably going to take a hit. In this case, it didn't. In this case, I was like, well, this bike is fucking fairly well represented, so let's rock and roll. I gave him his 3000 bucks. 
off he fucked. <laughs> and I was like, this is great, man, because I'm going to list this bike at ninety nine ninety nine, and I'll probably sell this bike for 6500 and I'll be making like $3,500 on a Harley Davidson. Yay, fucking man, this is cool. Um, I don't get that kind of margin in bikes that I sell. That's wonderful. Not on new bikes. Fuck no, man. You're right. <clears throat> new bike margin is 10 to 14% if you're fucking lucky and you cook it just right. So then like the next day on the Facey books, I see a Vespa Super Sport. And I am every kind of wrong for Super Sports. Like, you know, Rally 200s are awesome, but the Rally 200 is the best Vespa that they ever built because it is the rotary valve motor. Prior to that, they were piston ported motors. So for you guys that are the true two-stroke enthusiast assholes, they don't want a rotary pad motor. They want it to be piston ported. You know, fuck your 2% mix. I want at least 5% oil in my gas. <laughs> I want owls and mosquitoes to fall out of the fucking sky when I go through your neighborhood. And the GSs and the SSs were this 5% mix, piston ported bike, and they were the hot rods of their era, 63, 4, 5, you know, that, that era was the 160 for the GS and the 180 for the Supersport. And I've got a few Supersports and I've always liked them. My old internet handle back in the days of like the alt.chat groups and shit was always Vespa SS 65. And I got yelled at for AOL because it said ass in the middle of it. <laughs> Are you seriously? You're going to extrapolate that any time the A and the S and the S fall in an order together that I can't have that because it has the word ass in it? Yeah. Molasses. Molasses. I call molasses no, on that Nobody's shit. called assassin. Or- exactly, right. Assassin, you know, and yeah. you know there's an assassin 1969 out there, right? Well, and yeah. the funny part is, is like, yeah, they're going to get mad about- is an assassin. Yeah. Right, but you, they're going to get mad about ass Double or ass. boob or something, <laughs> but you could totally be like brain mutilator family yeah. fucker or something. <laughs> oh, exactly. They're totally cool with it. Yeah, yeah. Five, five, six, death machine, yeah. you know? Yeah, seven, six, two, raging from hell, you know, whatever. You can be any kind of 50 caliber killer. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's yeah, you could be, and you could be kid diddler too, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have ass in your name oh, or boob. <laughs> poor Michael. Uh, so we did. So when I I looked at this guy's listing, and I was like, two warning signs. One, it's a Vespa in Cleveland. I don't know about, which is always weird. So it's a Vespa in Cleveland. I wasn't aware of, and then two, it said wood train like interesting trades considered Harley Davidson. And I went, hmm, this is a chocolate and peanut butter situation. <laughs> and I said, we, we like to act on those. So I immediately took the white Harley Davidson to the cemetery and found that giant tombstone that says bagger on it. And I, as I do, I pulled the Harley in front of the giant tombstone that says bagger. And I took several hero shots of it, sent the guy the hero shots. And he's like, yeah, man, we got to talk. So we talked and he, uh, we came down to that he would give me this motorcycle, this scooter from 1966 or 65 and $2,000 American cash for the Harley Davidson road glide or road King. Sorry. The Pearl paint is, 
I love Pearl Payne. It's a good looking know? scooter, it's man. It's a good looking bike. Yeah. And it starts on the first fucking kick. So it's uh, it feels like it's a little, the motor feels a little tired. Like I'm not getting all of the ponies out of it. Like a few of the horses have left the stable in all these years. Um, but it does start and run well. Uh, it needs a little bit of work with the clutch. And, you know, but I mean, look, dude, it's, it's all the important pieces are there. All the hard to find parts are not gone. They haven't been stolen. Uh, yeah. And, and it's not, uh, speaking Indian. It's not red. It didn't, it didn't come in with a waft of Jalfrezi, right? <laughs> so when you started, it doesn't smell like, you know, uh, Mumbai, but here's the weird thing. Think about it. I traded in a Harley Davidson for a this shop smells like <laughs> yeah, Seoul, Korea right now. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the Kimco's from? Kimco's aren't those from Korea? The Kim cheese. No, no, no. Yeah. And that's, and John worked here. John will be the first to tell you. We've heard, oh, Kimco, man, that's from Korea, right? Kimchi. You guys have any of those kimchi scooters? <laughs> no, we don't have any kimchi scooters. They're from Taiwan. They're good. Um, but very funny. I have taken Harley Davidson's in on scooters many times. Like I have taken Sportsters in on Bajaj scooters. I've taken full-blown dresser Harleys in on Vespa scooters, modern stuff, you know. But this is the first time I've ever taken a Road King and traded a Road King in for an old Vespa. And here's the funny thing. I know to our podcast listeners, they're not going to possibly think, okay, you traded that Road King for a Vespa. They're not going to think that I got a great deal on that. But I'm telling you, a Vespa with $2,000 cash means that I'm into this Vespa for $1,000 right now. And this is a $6,500 Vespa. So this vintage Vespa is about $6,500 in today's money. So... That's a $5,500 profit. I just think it was a good deal for both of you because yep. you'd rather have that scooter. Yep. He'd rather have that Harley. Uh-huh. John, you, it's exactly what he said. You know, and I'm not making fun of this guy at all. This guy's a class act. He said the same thing. He goes, I could sell that Harley tomorrow. And he could. It's a desirable, beautiful bike. But he was getting every kind of fucking twat waffle reaching out to him about this Vespa. People that were like, well, my wife wants a Vespa. She don't want this. Forget to oil it one time. Forget to mix the oil one time. You lunched it, right? These things, when they were new, if you touch the front brake, the front fender burrowed under the ground, you know? Um, Self-energizing front brake. self-energizing front brake. I've experienced that once, and I did not like it. No, (laughs) and these things pretend like like they, they think they're an extra in the movie Tremors. If you touch the front brake... With any kind of authority, the whole front end tries to literally submarine on you. But you can't sell that to somebody who doesn't know exactly what. And so the guy's like, you're the first person that's contacting me that even knows what the fucking SS is. You're the only. And you come out here and crawl all over the fucking thing and lay on the ground and get your pants dirty. You're a qualified buyer. I'm a qualified buyer. So it is. I think, John, you nailed it the other day when you were like, look, you're doing this guy a favor because he'll sell that bike now and he will make money. I have the receipt for what he paid for this when he bought it. He can't cry. I mean, he right. got a, a really nice Harley that anybody would be like, oh, wow, that's a nice Harley. It was nice Wait, enough. you traded your scooter for that Harley? Yeah. You All know? of his friends are going to well, pay Well, I had to give him a little bit of money, you know. Well, and he'll he'll now be respected at Smedley's. You yeah. Know? And the thing is, is that, you know, people are hearing these numbers and stuff, but you also have a shop that costs, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're not just some dude walking up and trying to make these trades. Like, you have a right. sizable investment yeah. to give you the power to do this. In this of. situation, though, this this one, 
the Harley came to me because I have a shop. Right. And that's where everyone else is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd I'd be hitting home runs, too, if I could buy a Harley for 3,000 bucks. We do have a story of an unqualified buyer that we'll talk to about after this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so we wanted to hit on this for the podcast because having the shop does create a gravity, right? So, like, having a shop and being set up as a shop and paying your rent and having a business license and being in business for 20 years Yes, people are going to see you as an opportunity to sell your motorcycle really quickly. And it's better than a pawn shop, you know? So it is. Think about it. If you went and did like a vehicle loan on that Harley, he might get 2000 bucks, and it would cost him 2900 to get his bike back. At least this way, he's got cash in his pocket. The, the transaction is done. What's <laughs> he, that? He did have cash. In- well, somebody else has his cash in his pocket right now, I'm sure. But I mean, whatever. Hey, a cute, that was a scooter and a stimmy check, and you got right. a Harley Davidson. Really and that's nice exactly Harley right. Yeah. And so I'm really thrilled with it, and I'm not going to flip it fast because I do like the bike, and it's it's a super. What did, know, What did you ride to work sport. today? The super sport. So like, nice. I rode I rode half my ride to work on the Harley. And I rode to his house and we did the switcheroonie and he was really, when I pulled up in the driveway on the Harley and all my cold weather gear on, except for these stupid ACU summer BDUs, uh, which suck in, in the snow. But when I pulled up, he was like, what? No trailer. I thought you said you were bringing a trailer. And I, when he said that, I was like, oh, this guy's selling me a bike that can't make it to my shop. <laughs> I mean, cause when they say that why are they saying that? Yeah. Right. They're saying that because they don't really don't want you to ride this all the way home or wherever, but it ran beautiful. And I mean, it didn't miss a beat the whole way. So So you'll be riding at home tonight. No. (laughs) So I will tell you guys 39 degrees, about 39 degrees out. First thing. Second thing. I have a perfectly good Toyota crown Royale saloon wagon parked around back that has great heat and soft seats. Now the suspension in this is from 1965. And this is where I will warn you guys, if anybody's like, you know, I'm going to get into vintage scooters. It seems like the kind of thing I want to do. My front shock for that bike, if I were to get whatever was the equivalent of the OEM front shock for that bike, the cheapest I could find is 149 bucks. Yeah. And that's for the garbage shock nobody recommends. Oh, don't even bother, John. It is useless. <laughs> yeah. But, but to get SIPs hot shit like I got the right thing on my bike kind of thing is $259, $279. Plus it has to get here from Germany. So that's the Germans, right? So Germans, <laughs> and it's literally one shock absorber this fucking big. I yeah. mean, I mean, this is, I mean, at, at most, I mean, we're talking something that's, what do you say? That is about 16 inches. Yeah. yeah. So it's literally six inches. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's literally just real tiny thing, but they're getting that much money for it because it's a very specialized item. Now the rear shocks on these can be pretty much any Vespa shock, any P series or rally shock will work. But for the front, it has to be a GS or an SS shock because their forks are different. Having a GS or an SS means you're not going to be able to buy parts cheap for the rest of your life. So that's just, that's the game. So kind of fun. And so I did order today from SIP. I ordered a a very fancy rear shock and I ordered a really fancy front shock. So, you know, I want to keep the outside looking very, very nice the way it does. I might want to add some pinstriping or something to the tan parts just so they're not so expansive and boring. Just to freshen those up a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of the color scheme. I'm just yeah. Say, well, I don't want to. I, I don't I love the color scheme. Me too. I love it. Well, I think it's awesome. There, there it's were the no... exact same color as your KLR military. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> were there were there ever Vespas that came from the factory with two tone though? No, no, no. 
So uh, when did they stop making two-stroke Vespas? Uh, so they made them all the way up until 2005. So in, two, in the United States, there was a run of 2005 PX150s that you could buy, and they were a legit two-stroke. Automatic oil injection. This is premix only. But the uh, last run of Vespas, you know, the Stellas that came in in 2002, like 2003, they ran those all the way up to like 2014 or so. But Vespa, the last hurrah for the United States market was 2005. Now, in Europe and other countries, India, et cetera, they, they continue. Like, they're, they're still two strokes available and you can buy them. But this particular, you know, this kind of a thing, I love it because obviously that's the closest thing to camouflage you can have and still be shiny. So I'm okay with it. Like, those are my two colors, dude. You know. So what, what do I want? If Khaki I camouflage and what's that? Do, do I want a two-stroke or a four-stroke? So this is the trick. If you have a shifter scooter, it's got a four-speed manual transmission. So if you get a shifter scooter that's got a four-stroke in it, it's one of two bikes. It's either a Bajaj, which they started selling in the United States in about 2002 or so, or it's a Stella. Okay. The Stella's a two-stroke until later on, the Stella became a four-stroke. Or a Henkel's... Four strokes? They were, well, no, they're two strokes. Wait, I have to check myself on that. No, the Heinkel's four stroke. Yeah. I, I would actually, why, I've owned three of the damn things. I don't know whether well, they're two strokes. I, I, I didn't know. I thought that was yeah. one, of the, uh, one of the ones that was a four stroke. So. I feel bad even having to research it, but God damn it, I'm going to. Uh, but the, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to the podcast listeners. Uh, you don't even know yeah. how many strokes a Heinkel has? I'm telling you, I am, I think uh, it's a I'm four stroke. Well, yeah. if it is a fork, can you take you two? Of it's a four-stroke. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Steve. It is a four-stroke. That's exactly it. We're not going to talk about the conversion kit. Yeah. The, uh, that's for the chat rooms only. But the uh, So, yeah, the Heinkel is a four-stroke. And, of course, the Fuji, I think the Fuji Rabbit was also a four-stroke. So a lot of those uh, odd scoots, but when we're talking about Vespas and things that look just like a Vespa and act just like a Vespa, the Bajaj and eventually the Stella were four-strokes. And, you know, look, there was nothing wrong with the Bajaj four-stroke that us being Americans didn't fuck with. We rode the bikes too fast. We rode them too fast. We put demands on them that they really weren't engineered to do. In India, you shift at about 2,200 RPM, and you can put as many people as you want on it. In America, we rev everything out to redline, and that fucking Bajaj does not like that. The Cheetah, the Legend, they did not like being revved out. So the flywheels would separate. The, the, the flywheel system on, you know, the charging system would just, the rivets would just shear right the fuck off. Wow. And that's not a cool thing to have happen at 55 miles an hour. Keep that in mind if you're buying a uh, cheap Indian flywheel on eBay. Yes. Or yes. Vespa. Yeah. And that is not just, and you're right, that doesn't just keep hold itself to the Bajaj line because remember Bajaj made parts for themselves and they also made parts for Vespas and tons of parts for all kinds of things. The LML, the, the, the Stella four stroke, the Stella four stroke. Uh, I never liked it. I mean, we didn't like it from day one and the fucking automatic we hated more. Um, just, we looked like that was the solution to a problem. Nobody had because two strokes are fun. Like a two stroke scooter with a four-speed gearbox is a lot of fun to ride. I mean, it's not a 650, it's not a 500, but it's silly and it's fun. You ride a 125. Yeah. <laughs> it's something about just holding it a little too long. Yes. <laughs> like you're like, 
And also there's the, the suspension that dips every time you let off to shift, yes. shift and it, yeah. it's just ridiculous. And the mechanism of the grip shifter, so using a grip shift on the Vespa is very, very fun. You're very much a part of the game. So it's like, grab the clutch, sure, but now what do you do? Snick it into gear. And anybody who's ridden them here at this table will tell you that like there's a well-adjusted set of shifter cables, and then there's all the other bikes on the planet. <laughs> so it's like, you know, yeah, right? you've, been, you've been there. So you're like, oh, this thing shifts down, great. But my shifting was, up, terrible. My, my bike was fantastic up until just my clutch cable just snapped. Yeah. But it was, I redid all the cables at one point and had everything adjusted really nice. My clutch was super light and like, you know, yeah. and it was just like, mm, mm, you know. Perfect. And then for no reason at all, just my That's because it was perfect. So yeah, was, anytime a Vespa's perfect, stop riding it. Yeah. That's, that's something bad is about <laughs> yeah, to happen. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Many, bike, many dude, times for Nick. Yeah. <laughs> my bike has never been this fast ever. There's a there's a heat seize right there, just th like that. I think it's going to get a new clutch cable on it, and it's going out to the farm. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be the rally bike out there. That's pretty fucking cool. Nice. Want to ride a vintage scooter? Go ahead. There you go. The so that's anyway. So that's the deal of the day. That's the deal of the week. I guess we'll talk. We'll just call that what it is. Um, as we talk about vintage, you know, we get into vintage Vespas and vintage Lambrettas. I got to tell people, it is fucking hard to do. Like. Doing these bikes, especially Lambrettas, it, when a guy shows up on a nice running, good looking, decent Vespa or Lambretta, that guy's got some, he's got his shit together. I mean, that's not an easy thing. We know many, many, many people who have bought Stellas and then been like, oh, you know, I buy a Stella, then, you know, I drive that thing for a year or two, and then I'm totally ready to own a vintage Vespa. Yeah, you're getting there. You're you're on the right path. That's like having a first kid that's really good. Yeah. You, th you think you can handle a second one, ah. and then they turn out to be an asshole. Uh, my parents went from me to my brother and sister, who, God bless their souls, but when they were little children, they were nightmares. And, like, they were the kind of kids that were just constant hell. And my mom was like, wow, we never, ever should have. We never <laughs> should have had taken on more children. We didn't know what we were up against. But... That thing about two strokes, yeah. I mean, I've got a few two stroke bikes. They're fun. Two strokes are fucking kick ass. You put a kid on them, and you, you could do like a like power wheelie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, give yeah. a little tug on the handlebars, and it stands up. It's That's true. Fun. Vespas do respond incredibly well to kits, you know. And there's a lot of good kits out there. So since we're on uh, scooters, there's, yeah. there's two questions that came in through Moto Stories. Yeah, um, and they said they were going to listen and make sure that you know we're going to we answer this. them. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they listen to us about the fact that Stella parts are getting really hard to find. Yeah. Uh, guy says, well, what about P125 and 150? Are those going to get harder to find, or are they still around? So here's the weird world. So the weird world is most people were using Indian-made parts, LML-made parts, on their Italian scooters for the past 30 years and maybe might not have even known about it mm -hmm. due to the creative use of rebagging. Uh, so having LML shutting down that division or not producing that stuff anymore could really have an impact on it. But the good news is because there's 93 million P125s and 150s out there, there's a good fucking supply of parts for that stuff. But the Stella specific stuff, like the front disc brake stuff, um, there's a lot of things on a Stella that are particular to the American market and are particular to the Stella. Those items are going to start to be really fucking hard to get. 
Well, the Stella, like a part Stella might be valuable because yeah. could you swap the front end for, of a Stella mm-hmm. onto a P and Absolutely. get the, the front disc brake? Yeah. I mean, I haven't it's, seen it done. It's but a completely, I'm, you know, a Lego world up yeah, there. If you yeah. can get a crash Stella, grab hold yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then this dude who, I like this guy already, his, his, his handle is live free, ride weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says, so you guys are all talking about hard to find parts. Can you please tell me where I can find parts for a 2006 Aprilia Scar- Scarabu? 500 GT. So the the Scarabeo, we'll we'll pull one up so people can look at them. But Scarabeos were weird. Um, Remember that Aprilia, you know, people that are into the game would be like, oh, Aprilia, yeah, it's no problem. Just get Piaggio parts, BV500, BV250. Scarabeo, doesn't that mean, is that a scarab? It's a bug. It's a bug, right? It's a bug, yeah. Yeah. That that was the fat one, right? I'm going to look it up because they did two actually three different versions of an aprilia scarabeo 500 so the, the we'll earlier one was one my favorite had. one he's yeah. got the 500 gt Is that, weren't they that weird yeah. didn't they come in like a weird blue color so these are the ones that right. had the power brakes and power steering and it power looks like my everything. bv 500 and might not so this this was the transitional year so 2006 um that's is, when they went to well, 2006 was the year of the Super Tour. It's the equivalent of that um, that BMW that they did and they, that horrible BMW 1200C oh, that yeah. then they made a touring bike out of for some reason. So this is the um, the 500 Scarabay or the 500 Bug, and it's got this extremely distinctive front end where the uh, windshield and the hand guards and stuff are, oh. are very, very wide. Oh, yeah. And... They are very, very wide. The seat's super comfortable on it's, those. Oh, no, these things are fucking couches. And this is a couch. And it's full-size motorcycle wheels and the whole deal. And I believe it was even a Rotax motor. Um, these things are fan-fucking-tastic. The downside, though, is they have power brakes. So they have power-assisted brakes. And that might not be necessary on a scooter, even one this size. But this is the kind of thing that, yes, you're right. Your 2006, your 15-year-old Aprilia Scarabeo is completely unsupportable with parts. Mm, Those power brake systems have been uh, known for being extremely reliable and never letting their owners down (laughs) when they were used on BMWs. Right. Right. And we can tell you that for a very, very long time that – these bikes that came in with the with the uh, the infamous uh, Scarabeo power brake system, they that they got to be like ten years old or five or ten years old, and then just shit just stopped working. Well, I and, don't I don't own a bike with power brakes anymore. Yeah, yeah. but but you do own a bike that <laughs> that. Got to experience a nice drop last weekend. I do not own <laughs> a bike that got dropped last weekend. Oh, you sold it. <laughs> dun 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 to a very qualified buyer yeah. oh no <laughs> tell us more steve <laughs> don't rip on the guy he was a nice guy totally he nice was guy. just very nervous about riding the bike i no, saw but- him coming in when i was driving out to go get lunch and was i tried a- i tried to call steve and be like oh boy this guy looks sketchy was that a 2004 yes yeah yeah wait is this a different guy than saturday oh so let's, yes. let's go back to saturday okay so saturday this guy comes in. He appears to be qualified. He's in a brand new Mustang. We have to clarify for the podcast listeners. The bike that you're selling is a 2004 BMW R1100 RTP. R1150. Oh, it's 1150? Yeah, okay. 1150 RTP. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, I do like the bike. 
I did like the bike. <laughs> and so I pull in. John sets this up for me. This guy's in the driveway, brand new Mustang, you know, pulls in. I, the bike's sitting there. He's He looks at it. He's telling me, oh, I had an 1100. I've had all these bikes. I had an F800S. I had, you know, he's getting, going down his list of bikes. And I'm like, oh, the guy appears pretty qualified. And then he said, okay, I'm going to get my riding gear on. So he proceeds to Full gear, full gear, full gear, you know, his booties, like riding booties, like those, like, goofy looking. And then, and then he's pressuring Steve. He's not pressuring, but he's like, do you mind if I take it out for 15, 20 minutes? Like, I want to get onto a highway. I want to give it a good ride. And Steve goes, yeah, no, look, man, you obviously know what you're doing. You're not some dumb kid who's going to drop the bike or anything. So I totally feel, I totally feel okay for you to go ahead and take this thing for a ride. But he gets on the bike and immediately... I know I'm wrong. He hooks his, he, he gets on. His leg strength is that of like a two-year-old girl. <laughs> he hooks his pants on the peg and he almost falls over and we catch him. And then he finally starts like, he finally gets his footing and he's, okay, I, I'm good to go. So he starts up and, I, and, I, and he, he's like, let's out. He didn't stall it. No. But he's going like. A quarter of a mile an hour. I've never and, seen. And I turned sleep. around and I just I said, "This guy's gonna, this guy's gonna dump it." And so he off he goes. And Steve was working on his. We were working on his windshield on his um his uh FJ FJ. And like what three minutes later, the guy w- comes walking back to us. And he's oh, like, he's no. like, he's totally freaked out. He's like, I- I'm sorry, guys. No- nothing's wrong. Nothing, nothing happened. And we're like, well, what do you wow. mean? <laughs> well, you-, you left here with a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get a better deal? <laughs> so he made it maybe a, a total of 100 feet. <laughs> and he fell over, just like like because like he was just going so slow. Yeah, he was going like a yeah. half a mile an hour. Was he out at the Oberlin property? No, yeah. no, at the plant. At the plant, he okay. didn't make it. He didn't make the left. He okay. made a right. Yeah, went straight about twenty five feet, and that was it. That was and the he end dumped of it. it. Wow. I've ridden so, this bike, and I've been known to drop bikes, uh, <laughs> but I didn't think it was that hard to ride. No, it's not very hard to ride. It's just that he they didn't have any leg strength, and yeah. he was. So he's like, I can, he, and then he, as we're walking back to the bike to lift it up, he says, I can tell you right now that I'm not buying the bike. It's too heavy for me. Yeah. Oh, that's nice that you, after you crashed it. That's yeah. cool. So that'll be 500 for the crash damage. Well, but, fortunately, it didn't do But anything. it didn't, it was on the bar, so it yeah. didn't really do any damage whatsoever. Yeah. So we get it up, and I'm doing like, <laughs> like parade passes by him, like low speed parade passes well, by him, like not- oh, this thing's so hard to ride. <laughs> that was funny. And then you went like balls up the yeah, thing, and then, and then I just laid into it right up the hill, and right, you're like dragging <laughs> things. Yeah. Well, since you're not going to buy the bike, now let us let's hang around and abuse you for a while. <laughs> no, so, he just thought, he just he fucked off. Yeah, quick. He, yeah. he was yeah. gone and instantaneously. So then, um, out of the blue, John says, "Some guy called. He wants to come and look at your bike." And he called, and I got his number. I called him back, and he's like, "I'm going to come six o'clock tomorrow." And I said, "Well, the earlier the better for me." And he said, "I'll be there at ten o'clock tomorrow." Okay. So uh, I'm coming from Elyria, which is like two miles away from Oberlin. Right. So he shows up at like eleven thirty or so, or twelve. 
he gets on the bike and he starts it up and he's like acting like it's a small two stroke. He's like, like he's just trying to start it and like he's fluttering the throttle. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell him, no, no, it's a it's a fuel injected bike. Here's the choke. Here's the start button. Just hold it down until it starts and don't touch the throttle or anything. He's like, well, you know, I used to ride bikes and I'm an experienced biker and everything. So he he gets on the bike and he's just like starts it up and he's sitting there and he moves forward, stalls it, moves forward and stalls it. And I said, I tell you what, I turned it off. <laughs> I pulled the key out and I said, I've had a bad experience with people dropping my bikes. And I and it and John was saying, it seems like everybody's dropping every bike they ride this year <laughs> or they test ride this year. Uh, Phil was talking I about can, a rash yeah. of them, you know. Can confirm, yeah. That's that's no doubt about that. Because so we had talked. The guy looks at me and says. Before this guy yeah. got there, we were talking like, yeah. get his driver's license and get 500 bucks. Right, right. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But so we're, he's like, is the price negotiable? And I said, uh, and then I took the keys away. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just don't feel comfortable with you riding this. And he's he looks at me and he says, "Okay." He pulls thirty five hundred bucks out of his pocket, hands it to me, and he says, "Let's just do this deal." Right on. Nice. Right on. And I'm like, "Okay, yes." Now you can ride it. <laughs> but I feel but I feel super guilty about it because I think it's like because you know you were telling me stories about. The salesman who sells a guy a Hayabusa 1000, and then he winds it into the ground. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I have all this anxiety about this whole thing because I don't want this guy to get hurt. I mean, his daughter's with him. Yep. Right. His, and, you know, and his daughter's like, Dad, that's a cool bike. And he's like, oh, I want this bike, you know, whatever. What did so, I tell you, though? What did I tell you? You always tell me to screw anything that moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I said. I told you that if you didn't sell the guy a bike, somebody was going to sell him a That's bike. That's exactly so right. He's, going, he's yeah. hot to buy a bike, yep. and the bike you're selling him is a not that crazy of a bike. It's a great bike. It's a very reliable bike. No, it's a bike. great bike. It's, it's a crashable bike. There is no reason why you're fucking him, and right. you don't know what happens in his future. That's he right. might, you know, yes, he's having a hard time, but everybody has a hard time on the first bike. He doesn't buy the BMW R1150 <laughs> RTP from you. The next guy he talks to is selling him a Bandit 1200. Could be a Hayabusa that's all clapped right. out. Could be right. a... A clapped out Bandit for 3500 bucks or whatever. So you made it done a favor. Here's an interesting thing. Talking about the ownership of a BMW, um, the police bikes, because you can get them cheap. We know all the reasons, like in our podcast, we have discussed the reasons why a human being might not want to buy this motorcycle. Okay. Yes, you can buy a $3,000 BMW RTP, right? Or why a human might want to sell such a motorcycle. Okay. We know that there's a lot of reasons that you might not want to buy this bike. First is going to be, there is a drive, a known final drive seal problem with these bikes that is expensive to fix. There's also a cush drive failure on the actual drive shaft. Uh, the main seal. The main seal is also suspect. I saw a video of that. You tear yeah. the bike in half. I've been. I've done three of them. Yeah. <sighs> so there are three or four reasons, but then the probably the biggest one right now is the uh, ABS systems. So the ABS systems on these bikes are getting very old. Um, you know, this is a 16-year-old bike. The and power if, brake system? Oh, The ABS, yeah. Well, the ABS system is uh, servo-controlled. But anyway, more importantly, 
I'm going to guess that whoever you're buying the bike from probably didn't change the AB, the brake fluid and flush it the way BMW recommends like every two years. People just don't do that. We, you know, it's like going to the dentist and lying about brushing. The dentist knows you don't floss. Flossing, yeah. Right, exactly. He always says, right. Come on. Yeah, of course you floss twice a day. Sure. Anyway, we know that with these bikes, they're a ticking time bomb. And if you have one and the ABS goes out, the best thing you can hope for is an ABS delete kit that's going to cost you a whole lot of money and be a lot of labor to install. Shops like us won't install them because I can't suffer the liability of deactivating an ABS system and having you get hurt later on down the road because, well, the guy who sold it to me said it had ABS and it doesn't have ABS and I died. So, But, but I will say yeah. that this bike was functioning perfectly. Absolutely. And I was up to the I was up to yeah the maintenance on the whole thing. So I I wasn't I, I don't right. feel guilty about the condition of the bike at all. And this guy I, could own this bike for another forty thousand miles. This guy and this guy wasn't a young kid. He was forty right. something, maybe fifty. I mean, he had a gray beard. I mean, whatever. But one of the things about this motorcycle that is really fucking cool. I mean, I'm gonna sh- I shat on it for a while, but one of the things really cool about this is the parts that break when you lay this bike over. Because every police department in the world has taken a run at these things. There's a lot of parts available. And a lot of them have gone to the breakers yards and been systematically disassembled. Do you know what a mirror for a Honda PC800 costs? Take your pick, left or right. Doesn't matter. I think I priced them out at like $600. It's 700 bucks for a set. Yeah. Jesus and Christ. there's currently one set on eBay. Do you know what these mirrors cost for a BMW police bike? No idea. Um, $109. I'll put those on my PC then. And <laughs> and there's about 65 of them on eBay. The individual mirrors. So I'm going to throw this, guys, just so you can see this and you can cry about. we. John and I were talking about how good, like why you like the PC800 so much is because it is just a giant marshmallowy, delightful motorcycle. That's for one mirror. So that listing is for an Ein single mirror, three hundred and thirty four dollars and ninety nine cents plus shipping. You should Good sell out. the mirrors off of your bike, dude. You can get what <laughs> now, you paid here's for. Here's the it. thing: that's the only mirror on all of God. Mirrors are worth more than the whole bike, Steve. Dude, that is the Steve. only mirror on eBay. Not not fifteen mirrors, not a left and a right. Take a look at the listing. That is the same guy selling the same mirror. That is one fucking mirror in all of goddamn eBay. So that's what it's like. So you're like, oh, PC eight hundred. Yeah, every fucking part for a PC eight hundred is made of rocking horse shit. Or you know, it's. Does it count if there's zip tie holes in them? No, no, it doesn't. Frankenstein. I have a box. Cool. I have a box of right of body parts. A PC eight hundred shit. Yeah. But what I found now is that as the parts break off, I just don't replace them because what's the point? <laughs> it makes it lighter. Yeah. No, Give the other day, I don't know NPGs. what happened. It, it uh, stress crack and the whole section right where your left knee is mm-hmm. just flapped out on the freeway. Because <laughs> these bikes are getting to be 30 years old, right? 30. Plastic is going plus. to be the bane yeah. of the future. Yes, it is. And we work on a lot of old motorcycles here where you're like, Okay, I really need to get the side panel off this 81 Suzuki. Oh, dude. But it doesn't look like it's been off since 83. So, how do we approach this situation? And I'm like, the yeah. grommets are hard as a rock. Yeah. And so, what do you oh, do? Well, the best story about that it was James, that CB750, and the guy wanting to, 
here, I want to show you something. And he grabs the side panel of a 1970 CB750 and just yeah, uh, uh. broke two tabs off. <laughs> no, broke all. It's maybe right. He got all three. Yeah, he yeah. got all three. Yeah. Oh, dude. And James is crying and it's all like, right. oh my God. Oh, I wanted to show you the quarter we used to always keep in the thing and the thing. We Man, kept so. a quarter in the fuse blocks in case we needed to make a phone call. So for wanting to show off a quarter that he put there in 71, <laughs> he broke a priceless side Perfect panel. panel. But yeah, to get those things off, I mean, at the shop, what we do is like we take WD-40 and we feed it into the rubber for like four days to try and get that rubber as supple as possible. And then we very gently pull the fucking panels wiggle, off. Wiggle, wiggle. We'll try to reach in the back with an Allen head, an push Allen wrench, him. and push them from the backside so you're not actually pulling on it. Because you know other people have pulled it off too, so it has stress fractures in it. So we got to kind of push it, you know. You can go look outside. I mean, we're in headphones, you know. You know, check. No, I mean, I, I thought I heard voices. I did too. There are. There are. Yeah, there are, there are people, people out there. Out there. There's zombies out there. Yeah. Are they pushing that, that one scooter away? That I don't know. <laughs> some guy left out there? Yeah, they're, they're just, they look like neighborhood folks. Uh, anyway. I always buy, I buy handfuls of those grommets. Yeah. yeah. And if I pull them out, I put like soft fresh ones in and I yeah. spray them around with silicone. Right. That's, yeah. That's absolutely what you have to, when you're working on the old bikes, it is like, you, you got to make sure you just don't break but the it's same that first one. <laughs> oh, man. You, you're like, I want to work on this bike, but I don't want to make it worse. Well, and not only that, but like when, if you do get a side panel off yeah. successfully, don't just shove it back into the no. same rubber that was no. there. Even if you lube it, that rubber is not what you want to do. The well, military taught us a great trick when you're doing uh, camo gear. So you're doing camo gear and you, you take the plugs out for your CVC helmet, you know, your communication, yeah, combat vehicle communication helmet or whatever. They always tell you, Take your finger and run it next to your nose. Because that's like, I don't care how dry you are. There's glycerin. Always, there's always some grease there, right? It's glycerin. So, yeah, you take that and you rub it on the O-rings and you rub it on the seals. And it seems nasty as fuck, but you'll keep that seal and you'll maintain good connectivity in your, in your part, you know? And so you get like an eight-pin connector. If you do that and you do it religiously... Yeah. Yep. Hey Joe, it's you lube. greasy son of a bitch, get over here! <laughs> they use uh, they use lubricant on rubber parts in in the food industry. Sure, like the, yeah. any kind of rubber valve is lubricated with either a petroleum based or a silicone based lubricant, and it preser preserves yeah. the rubber too. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I know guys that eat gallons of KY, so you know it it, gets, <laughs> it goes through you. The uh, <laughs> so I did want to talk if you guys if you want to hand me that Daniel. So uh, we got, uh, so we've, I, I've attacked the Amazon and I got this very, very high speed, low drag, uh, multi-textured, I might add, uh, the, uh, the match look, you know, it's got the red, uh, nice grained, uh, probably the high, it's probably a Naga. Yeah. It looks like a Naga. Is that the high edition? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a not a hide. It's a not a hide, right? Yeah, this is the high edition. But I think like the one John had. I think the problem is the same problem we're having is where my asshole hits this is like right there. So there, there's no extra padding. So the podcast people can see it's like my butthole goes right there. It's almost like you want to take this one, mm -hmm. take it apart, yeah. cut like this much of it off, right? Rivet all that onto the existing seat, yeah. and then cover right. the whole thing. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, we're going to work something out, so we'll figure it out. But now we've got, you know, a sacrificial seat that we can, you know, yeah. make longer. You know, that's cool. So that was fun. I, I bought that thing. And then uh, if you can hand me, there's some <laughs> red levers there. 
check this out. So these guys, so you guys know in my last last podcast, I was showing you guys some of the cool stuff I bought, like the chain and the levers and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is all for the SSR 125s. And I bought these levers because they were red. I'll admit it. They right. look good. I totally just bought these things because they were red. I didn't give a fuck. Um, first of all, they're not exactly red. They're kind of dog dick purple. You know, it's kind of that. Okay. Oldsmo Burgundy. It is. It's a very faded Oldsmo Burgundy. Um, I think I think there was a probe once this color. Um, but if you, I don't understand how those. Oh, okay. So okay. they're spring loaded. They can flip forward. They can flip forward. So when you crash, your knuckles go through them, but oh. they don't bend the fun way. They don't bend left or right. They oh. just go forward. Okay. Okay. But what I'm going to tell you is if you get up close and personal with these things and look at the casting on it. It looks like they cast this in fucking silly putty. Like these <laughs> things are garbage of the highest order. And when you push the lever close, there's a big amount of resistance there. It kind of notches out. So looking at them in hindsight, you know, Chinesium. The sec- the suggestion that this is quote billet. <laughs> no, no. This is casting of the lowest order i mean this is like they took a cast piece and then lightly machined it maybe is what i'm thinking there's a kid in his backyard with a pot with who's made a hundred of these this morning melting down pop cans and pouring them into the mold yeah Yeah. it's kind of funny how poorly the this part of the handle yes the anodizing doesn't match this part of the handle oh no i don't think they came from the same nine-year-old yeah i think they came from a different school different household yeah so uh you know if you're a uyghur that's what you're doing for a living in China, apparently, is making levers for little fucked up dirt bikes. You remember yeah, and me giving saying, up your organs, too. Yeah. <laughs> saying I, I found a, a petcock in the parts for my S65 that looked like it was like the worst casting The ever. worst cast ever. Well, I figured out why it was there. He bought it just for the seal, the seal yeah. inside, mm-hmm. right? He bought and it just to get the, the gasket. That seal was also so cheap, yeah, that's, that it had completely failed. And that's it hasn't been in there very often. You do it the other way around. You right. buy the petcock yeah. and you throw that away and right. put a Honda put a Honda seal in it. Yeah, you know, and, and it's crazy how how seals can be different. So, like, I was airbrushing a uh, helmet this this week, and I, I got this one airbrush that has a bigger uh, tank on it. And so the other brush I have, they both have rubber O-rings, you know? So when I was done, I put it in the solvent to, to clean the paint because I'm using automotive paint. No problem. That one that I got from eBay, the seal went from being like a little tiny O-ring to being about two inches wide and just exploded <laughs> in about 37 seconds, man. I went over to Sills to see if I could get the actual Honda right. seal. Yeah, yeah. And I, needed the, I wanted to get the, um, the cushion rubbers for the right. rear for the sprocket and the wheel in the back. We've got them both on the shelf. Yep. For an obscure 1965 yeah. motorcycle, they're like, "Oh yeah, we have those. We have those. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely." But I mean, it, I did have you my, do at the- my house too? You, should, you could have just called me. I have a whole drawer <laughs> full of those, little, those little, those uh, three hole, three hole gaskets. Yeah. And well, these were four. Well, they're four, whatever, whatever they are. Anybody that knows anything knows that they're four. I'm right. sorry, and would never say that they're three a whole gasket. Oh, but they're not just four. They're not just a. You're running the press tomorrow. <laughs> Honda also does an eight-hole gasket. Yeah, I'm also so, familiar with that. That's what's used in the Honda CB1, yep. as well as some of like the 82 VT 750s yep. and stuff like yep. that. C70. Both uh, my my CT90 yeah. and Steve's new CT200 use the same eight-hole. Yep, and you uh, cannot rubber. use a four-hole in its place. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case you ever, if you what ever do get, they use on a 1963 Honda Dream, no, dude? It's a mm. different one altogether. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the yeah, that's a horrible. That's, that's the that's, nine-hole. That's the slider. Yeah. 
Um, that's I like, bet you didn't know that. That's like the espresso press uh, coffee maker one. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that in the 60s they were open to more holes, and then as they got older, like less holes. Less holes. Now, here's a tip from I your used to have one film. hole at work. <laughs> I, <laughs> let me tell you what kind of hole I work for. <laughs> Would you say it's the whole hole? This is also my slumlord, too. Oh, <laughs> that's right, because now you're a resident. Now you're a tenant on his property. Yeah. I put a hose underneath his... Uh his camper <laughs> just so it would sink in. I told him to get the fuck out of here. Oh. <laughs> if you're it's ever, never going anywhere. If you're ever in a jam and you need a four hole gasket, keep in mind that in the um, marine industry, so in the boat industry, they also use Honda fuel control valves. So guess what? There's a lot of fucking two-stroke and four-stroke Honda engines out on the water. And it turns out that Honda didn't just use um, the four-hole valve technology in their uh, motorcycle applications. So I have learned over the years that it is completely cromulent to use a marine application four-hole gasket. And so if you get jammed up and they don't have the part you need at your local motorcycle shop or you can't find it wherever you normally go, call a boat place. And ask if they've got any, you know, fuel valve packing for a Honda engine, for a Honda motor. And it turns out Honda used Honda parts on Honda everything. So you can get those parts and they work absolutely fine. Um, They're great. And that's cool because it's not a part that's been sitting on somebody's shelf for 40 years. It's a part that's literally brand new. From I betcha. Yeah. You could get a used one. And it might be in better condition because they use boat gas. They did use boat gas. Well, if you took a used one and soaked it in winter mitt and softened it up again, I bet it'd be just fine for another 40 years. Yeah, winter green is pretty magical. Uh, Winter green on old rubber parts is kind of fucking fantastic. Thanks to... uh, that was that was one of our ones from Dirt from Mark McDermott. Late and great, late and great, Mark McDermott. He taught us all that. He came in with a fucking paint can full of wintergreen, and all the rubber bits from the carburetor went in there, and it didn't blow them out. They didn't overinflate, and they all just were like new again. All this stuff that was old and brittle and crunchy, a couple of days in the wintergreen, and it just was fucking awesome. And it smells so good. It smells too. fantastic. Yeah, take a little hit every time you walk past. Wait, what is what is this wintergreen stuff? You know what wintergreen is? You are familiar with wintergreen? Oh, it mm-hmm. smells so good. Remember remember the the RC car traction compound that smelled minty? Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Like that, yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it ate foam. I mean, like it softened the foam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nothing is foam in a carburetor. Right. Good right. point. Good point. So, good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. But so wintergreen oil is actually wintergreen oil, like, you know, aromatherapy chicks are paying top dollar for this shit if you're into essential oils you might pay like 39 cents or 39 dollars for a fucking you know tenth of an ounce for that shit but or you could buy it by the drum and for 39 cents for 39 cents exactly (laughs) so that shit works and that is i mean that's solid tech tip wintergreen rescues old rubber oh god intake boots don't even fucking like my rule is don't take a carburetor off a motorcycle unless you either have brand new intake boots from the factory that says the name of the brand of the motorcycle you're working on. <laughs> no shit. Because, you know, oh, I bought these intake boots on eBay. They're wrong. You know, oh, they say Keister on them or they say whatever. They're wrong. Unless they literally say the part number and the manufacturer of the motorcycle you're working on, they're wrong. They're well, going to give you nightmares. It's named Keister. 
<laughs> for, for a reason. reason. Yeah. So I never had one kit that worked. I yeah. bought new intake boots for yeah. the the seventy CB seven fifty. Yep. Because that airbox is made out of the same material as that side panel that crumbled. Yes. It's not made of the harder ABS plastic as later models, nope. and it's painted the color of the bike. And that plate that's those that go into is busted everywhere. Of course. If you can get an yeah. airbox that that's not broken, it's a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I bought the new ones. I have nice soft ones to go in there, but the ones that are in there are so fucking hard. There's you won't put it back yeah. together without destroying it. Yeah. And I've got to figure out how to, I'm going to crush them, cut them, cut them and, out. and yeah. surgically remove them right. without you yeah. know like. Can you can you epoxy the plastic from the inside? Do you, I think it, or I'm going to like shit's really take a brilliant. torch in, yeah. inside there and heat, just stick it inside like a, on low and just try to heat the thing so it'll yeah. squeeze and yeah. get them out without. Yeah. That plastic that was used on those early generation CB7s. It's like an epoxy. It's like a, it was like it was like a two part resin that they probably squirted in. It and was squished. brittle when it was new. Yeah. And 40, 50 years didn't help it. You know, 50 years on that bike didn't, it's didn't like, save it. Like Bakelite. It is. I mean, it's really brittle plastic. There's no flex to it at it's all. It's like if you took Bondo and squeezed yeah. it into a mold, that's yeah. what it is. And that's probably what you're going to have to do to rescue it, you know? So, or just buy one of those awesome chrome square air cleaners. <laughs> oh, <she's laughs> like, you get the air box as oh, is. Just yeah. sell the air box right. for $1,000. Do you know, or start looking and see if there's an STL file for it. We can print an air box, at least in a couple pieces. Uh, well, if I was going to do anything, if I wanted yeah. to just preserve that air box, yeah. I'd take a later model black CB750, which I have. I could put a later model air yeah. box in there. Yeah. And put and the just, broken one in a box for no, posterity. No, put the unbroken one in a box and right. just never touch no, it. No, I mean, yeah. Take the one that you have right now. <laughs> yeah. And John, just, John, what's in that glass container over there? That, that, that this with comes the with it? it? Good luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are my testicles. And your red turns, and your red <laughs> no, turn my, signal my lenses. My wife has those. <laughs> your red turn signal lenses go with it. All the brittle shit goes with it. Uh, today when I was cleaning out my warehouse, I found a set of uh, Honda Black Bomber gas tank embellishers nice and uh i i i'm a little scared to see what those are worth and because i mean they're uh they're gonna be a lot of money uh i i fear that they're going to be more than i want to know about uh because yes the repops are 75 dollars right but you yeah. got those. That was an original set you got with that one bike. Or the something. one bike I got an absolutely correct original factory set OEM. Yeah, and they're and they're just or new old stock, I guess. Right. And the. But yeah, it ain't none of these. That's for sure. No. It ain't none of these. Uh, so well, those ones, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, I don't know what they're worth, but yeah, they're 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 something. And that's that, you know, that's kind of one of those items that you're like, you don't even want to put them on because you know that when you put them on. That's for somebody who has done a jewel like restoration yeah. on their bike. Right. And I mean, that, I'll use that these, would be the cherry on the cake of that restoration. I'll use these $40 ones off eBay you know, <laughs> and I'll, I'll live with it. Okay, here you go. 425 bucks. Wow. So yeah, four hundred twenty-five bucks oh, for that's, that's those for are for a, a three hundred. That's a super hawker. That's a super hawker, a dream or something. Yeah, but four hundred ninety-five bucks—the only set I could find that was legit and and real. So anyway, but 
I found them today, and they were in the package, Honda labels and stuff from 1965. Well, the next time I'm over it there, I'm going to look for those fuckers. I hid them fucking <laughs> proper. I hid the shit out of those things. Yeah. I was like, whoa, man, that's amazing. Uh, I have a list of things I want to steal out of that. And I did, find a, I did find a 1970 uh, Honda CB750 tip-up seat. It was in good shape. Very nice. So I found a couple of items that I didn't, I just had. You're just going to rub that in my mouth. I just had forgotten they were out there. Well, there's a whole CL450 in there that's literally that we got from Russ's estate. And he bought the thing and had intentions of doing a nut and bolt restoration. And then he, you know, left this mortal coil. And so that's sitting out there as like a, you know, 20 year restoration project once I'm not super busy. So that's. I have a set of um, Honda Dream turn singles. See, that's a, that's With an the item. Weird little the little uh, square cast brackets yeah. and everything yeah, like those that. Those are fucking. That's that's yeah. That's rocking horse shit right there too. Like that kind of stuff is so cool, but it's really hard to come by. And if you get into the minutia of doing some kind of a cool old restoration on a bike, you can go down a rabbit hole. Um, easy on. I OEM stuff like fuck, man. It'll just it'll make you crazy. Literally I just any vintage set, bike. Yeah, any vintage bike. Yeah. yeah. I just bought a set of bullseyes for the TS two fifty. You did. Yeah. It's going to get the bar and turn singles. The ox, want, oh, yeah. Those are called Oxaugen. Yeah. Yeah. The ox eyes, mm -hmm. and they've got. Did you get the ones the metal housings and the little orange lenses? Yeah, they're chrome with Bad you know Hella style. So you can yeah. see them both. So cool because that's your front and yeah. rear turn oh, singles. Yeah. Just out there on the end. Why would it be any other way? It makes perfect fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Tell them about your bar ends for your KLR. Oh, that was those are beautiful. Like uh, I was post industrial. <laughs> oh my god, I was so blown away when he showed up, and I was like, I've been doing this wrong my whole life. I've been using factory bar end weights to you know stabilize the bar, shaking and stuff like that. And he comes up with the biggest set of truck nuts I've ever seen. Inch and an eighth. <laughs> Inch and a fucking eighth standard on a metric bike you fucking heathen these nuts were bigger than fucking i mean like brahma bull balls they're factory they're for flanges at work yeah no shit these things and and it's like he's got like he's got like this giant one and he's got like a reducer and he's got like another one and another one and he finally gets out to the size it looked like a little fucking teepee of stolen sae hardware that was all yeah. scrap it's all scrap it's like you know what you got like 18 dollars of the scrap on your handlebars because I took the truck in the other day with the crates from the last shipment of bikes I got in, and I, it was a properly full pickup truck bed, of, but it's just steel. Steel is worth very little. It's going up, my friends. I yeah. got 84 bucks. Yeah, I, I scrapped about probably 800, uh, 800 pounds of, of yeah. shit that's been accumulating Fiat parts. And, right. And shit like that, and Priceless. I've got quite a bit of money for it. It's like two, I was surprised. Two twenty a ton now. Is I was I was shocked that I got eighty four bucks, and it took me a half an hour to load the truck, and it took me a half an hour to drive it over and unload it. Eighty four bucks an hour is good money. That was sitting out in front of my shop for two days. Somebody could have made eighty four dollars. Mm -hmm. Do you hear somebody tapping on their phone? Tap, 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 tap. Bringing down the sound quality oh of the God. podcast. Awful. I was answering a question. Answering. About, it was the viewer. The podcast. Oh. it's a viewer. It's a. It yeah. better be a Patreon. <laughs> if they aren't they should be they will be now yeah. because mm. i answered their question you shamed them all right you shamed them into patreonage do, do we have any mail this week of course we do Ooh. i mean I'm not, I'm not upset that you were doing that but you could at least turn down your mic when you're doing it yeah oh. <laughs> who uses their phone with like the the tappy tap tap turned up i don't know like, so i downloaded an app and my whole phone has reset itself because of this app so i'm uh -oh. i'm getting there relax yeah the uh 
the uh, <laughs> this is funny. So you know, you post shit up on YouTube and you get people just that, like instantly feel like they must fucking hate on you. Mm-hmm. So you guys remember we posted up a video a long time ago where our buddy six fifty IB or Eb, you know. He comes out and he brings his brand new Kawasaki H2 with all the fancy shit. And he comes out to the shop and we did a little bit of a riding around on the zero electric motorcycles, which back then were pretty, you know, the SR version. And after riding around, we decided we were going to have a little quarter mile drag. But our local quarter mile drag strip was closed. So we had to kind of run through the neighborhood. And uh, so we posted that up, you know, that, he posted it up. It's got 83 majillion hits, whatever, because it's 650 IB and he's fun to watch. But we posted a little thing about zero history and stuff. And this guy fucking lit into us. And he's just like, that video doesn't tell that video doesn't tell me shit. There's no way in hell you beat a Kawasaki H2 mother. You know that you're in some fucking neighborhood and you're just trying to sell the things and you're just 100 percent full of shit, whatever. I was like, okay, so I just posted up the link to the 650 IB. Like, I'm not full of shit. That's his vet. That's his video that he shot. Like, he edited it. He put it together. That's him on the Kawasaki H2. It's not me. It's not my video. I'm not making any money on it. It's his video. It's him doing his thing. And he owns not the Zero, but the other. He bike. owns the H2, the bike right. that lost. Right. And he published it. Right. So I was like, so don't bitch at me. Like I'm some kind of fucking liar. That's him. Yeah. That posted that. You may be many things, but not that. Again, and if you ever catch me in a lie, it's only to save my own goddamn ass, I promise you. Or to make the story really good. To make the story better, <laughs> right. It's, we're only here to increase the uh, the entertainment factor. But so he, I, I was like, dude, and then I find another one of a zero humiliating a Ducati in a drag race, like a Panigale or something. And he writes... Cleveland Moto, well, I'll be damned. The first video was two buddies in a residential area. Doesn't tell me anything. The second video with the Ducati was legit. Won't beat an H2 at top speed, but yeah, it's fast off the jump. Yeah, duh. Uh, huh? So again, I'm going to go back to what I said. No zero. Like, yeah, the H2 is known for going 211 miles an hour or something. Nobody ever hey, said a zero. Nobody was even that. trying yeah. to suggest right. that shit. But anyway, so this is uh, one of these things. I'm going to tell you guys, you keyboard warriors out there, you denizens of the digital domain, go fuck your hat. Phil, you don't owe anybody an explanation. Exactly. You are legit. Thank you. And that's all that matters. That's all, yeah, and it's just one of those things you're just like, come on, guys. When you guys talked about being a better customer and like the people that show up to buy things, take a second and honestly think about what you're going to do when you show up to buy something. Have a plan. Don't be making it up as you go. What if the situation, do a little role playing in the car on the way there. Be prepared to do things like, oh, I don't know, buy the bike. Uh, you know, <laughs> like that might be a good thing. Like, think about what your exit strategy is going to be. Well, not only that, but like in that situation, you're not, you, you don't have two unantanium things right. where nobody else in the world could possibly put them together at a race. Right. Like, there are two bikes that are readily available. A lot of people have one, a lot of people have the other. Right. So, you know, it's like, you're going to call something out that you can prove eventually. If you really had to, you could probably call the guy and be like, okay, we're going to go to Dragway 42 in June. If you really, if you pay us to do this, we'll do it. And you can even show up. If right. You want. Um, unless you have those two bikes. Right. And you've come up with a different outcome yourself. Right. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. And, and the worst thing is, yes, the weapon that you're using is YouTube. Yeah. Your sounding board is YouTube. And if you spend another 11 seconds on YouTube, 
you could debunk your own mystery or debunk your own bullshit. So it, it is one well, of those I mean, things. Specs are available. I yes, mean, they are. Uh, yeah. You know, te- reviews, tests are available to show. You know how fast each of those bikes goes, well, and, zero to sixty. And ninety percent of the people that they dog zeros have yeah. never ridden one. Nah, because right. if you have, I mean, it's a permagrant. Yeah, it's not going to go two hundred miles an hour, but god damn, from zero to hundred, it's pretty. You, fucking you can good. appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. I mean, that really is fair. There's, there's, there's very little else that you can do in the motorcycle world other than throw your leg over the fucking thing and go ride it. And the same person probably has no problem believing that a Tesla is beating Mustangs and everything else. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. There's a dude making a lot of money on the street racing scene because nobody believes Teslas are that fast. Mm-hmm. And oh, those dudes out there just You know what? That's got to be painful. Yeah. That's got to be fucking painful. Because, I mean, we do it. I do it out here for free on the Zero. So, oh, we got an answer for your bike, uh, Steve. Your Zero that had the mystery charging or it wasn't mystery charging some zeros have a problem where you you know you run them down to 30 percent. you park them for 20 minutes you go back and all of a sudden they're at 40 percent or 50 percent or it something was doing that too yeah so um and but your real complaint was that you would charge it up to 100 percent, and then you'd go drive it for an impossibly short distance and it would drop down to 94 percent. right right so uh it's kind of what we thought it was going to be and but we were very happy to see that the zero people absolutely confirmed it because we ran the logs and we checked all the history of the bike out because we didn't want to just stab at it right but uh it is beautiful that the solution to your problem was uh plugging it in to the wall (laughs) (laughs) i i don't so here's what it is on zeros and for people who own zeros out in podcast land or people who are like what you know i've heard these batteries or whatever um, so yeah, bat- these batteries inside your bike, there's two batteries, there's right. two 3.6 uh, kilowatt hour, or in mine, there's 3.6 is yours are 2.6 or, uh, cause you have, mine, I have a 6.5. So, so you have a 6.5. So you have 3.25s. Yeah. So two 3.25s. Well, batteries go out of balance internally and there'll be this deviation between the voltages of these batteries. And when there's a deviation in the voltages of the batteries, then one of them will get to say full and the other one won't be at full yet. So what happens is when one's at full, it says I'm full and it sends a message that says I'm full and the other one doesn't get to be full yet. So zeros, if you leave them plugged in for a couple of days, they do, the other one catches up. And so the one that was a little bit lower does the cells do get fully charged up. So, so I'm good to go. Their recommendation was leave it plugged in for two or three days. So we left it plugged in for two or three days, and you got an A on your report card now. So okay, I well, don't. I mean, I'm glad. I, yeah. but I, I don't mean, know it if was you, very. But I, it's been plugged in for yeah, days. I yeah. mean, I've I don't ride it every single day. Yeah, but I was wondering, do you, are you the kind of person that? Like plugs it in and then unplugs it. No, I, I yeah. plug because I can't because the the button battery in the yeah, that is dead. Oh, okay, yeah. And if I do that, if I unplug it, right, then it resets the clock. It resets the clock. There's a coin cell in the zero. Yeah, well, so not just in the no, zero. No, it pisses me off, and you can't replace the battery. Not you have just, to replace the entire dashboard. Right. So oh, not just in the zero. God. This is this okay. This is a thing that chaps my ass about so many electric vehicles the harley davidson the zero the energica and pretty much every goddamn thing these things will have as many as three fucking batteries in them Mm -hmm. the big ass motherfucking battery which has enough power to 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 run the sun or jumpstart the sun if you needed to then they'll have a 12 volt battery 
Mm-hmm. And that's there to run your ABS and your safety equipment and your lighting and shit like that. So God forbid, we are in such a, a country or country, a, a point in our life technology with technology where we are so risk averse. We will just keep adding batteries of different voltages to the system so that we don't just rely on one big fucking battery to do its job. So since we're worried, because somebody once said, well, but then my battery died in my zero and my turn signals didn't work and I got scared or my brake light wouldn't work and I got scared or whatever. Or if my, my battery and my zero got really, really low, my ABS might not work anymore or whatever. So what they do is they'll do like all the things. So rather than in the old days, what, what we would do, we'd have a DC to DC converter. So we would have a big fucking battery that would be 100 volts or more. And then we'd have a DC to DC converter on there that would knock everything down to 12 volts. So you had this wire that had 110 volts on it or 106 volts. Don't touch that one with your mouth. And then the other one would be like 12 volts, which you could lick if you were brave, right? And that ran all the automotive-y kind of crap. And then this one ran the, the, the big honking torquey thing, right? I don't know if I want to lick the 12-volt one. Honestly, not even, <laughs> right? So the 9 volts are enough to rock your world a little bit. But So now, though, what about the dashboard? Oh, well, we got to put a button cell up in that motherfucker because, you know, we don't want the dashboard data to go away if uh, if if you were to lose the. the so why don't they put a 100. fucking EEPROM in there? Well, here's the thing is, is if a lithium cell right. is so low that it can't power whatever clock or bullshit right. is in the dashboard, yes. it's fucked. Uh, yes, so, I totally agree. Yes. What's the point? Yep. And we have seen these 12 volt batteries, these 12 volt, you know, ballistic batteries, you know, to throw a brand name under the bus um but or zero gravity or whoever we've seen these batteries in these bikes that keep in mind the bike is only as good as the engineers who've tried to program it to compensate for your stupid ass like i wish a zero electric motorcycle had a a a knob on top of it and you had knob had three settings off run and sleep Right. So it would need off, run and sleep, because what they've done is they've built these systems in that say, okay, well, if if you're if you're in goddamn Cleveland, Ohio in the wintertime. Right. And we want you to be able to think about riding your bike today. Well, then we have to run a little heater. If you look, I I think I passed it around for you guys. That little zero gravity battery had a a little a little heating pad around it. It had a little Mm -hmm. a little resistive heater that, of course, heat takes electricity. Well, where does it get the electricity from, my friends? Mm-hmm. The fucking battery. Oh, and right. I've heard, I've heard of like some people who have the lithium batteries. If it's cold out, they'll yep. you know turn it on, have the the headlight going for a little Absolutely. while. Absolutely, we have yeah. been living with lithium shit for a long time. We don't need to put a heater pack on the battery, but I can under kind of understand for people who like want to just get on the bike and go mm-hmm. to make the bike instantly ready to have that twelve volt battery there. And if the battery gets too fucking cold. It's not going to work. So what do we do? Well, we put a heating pad on the battery. Well, because, you know, heat's free. So if the bike, if you're not riding your bike and you're not riding your bike and I'm not riding my bike, we're not plugging the fucker in. It's just there. So, yes, we used to be able to plug a zero in in October, ride it down to 65 percent, unplug the son of a bitch, and it would stay at 65 percent until March Mm -hmm. or maybe 64 percent. It would lose like one percent. But now... Because the bike goes, I have to be ready. I'm going to keep that battery warm. So now you park it at 
And until the bike goes, oh, it's been 30 days, I need to go into hibernation mode. For that 30 days, it's constantly going to try to keep that bike, the battery warm and everything ready to be optimally like flight line ready that you might need to take off at Mach 1 and chase down the Ruskies. So you keep you know? it at 75% then and let it wear down to 65%? Guys are getting all kinds of results. Guys are getting all kinds of weird shit. My opinion would be the knob on the top that says off and then sleep. And when you twist the knob to sleep, guess what it does? It shuts everything off. Or just the mode button. You could have right. Uh, you could have it in mode for like hibernation mode, right. and then put but it in hibernation. Waiting mode for giving it thirty days before it goes to sleep is a little too long, you know. Because the idea here in Cleveland is what happens is we get like a nice day every twenty-one and a half days, and somebody goes out to their garage and goes, "I'm going to check on the status of my zero. And they turn the key on. They're not riding anywhere. They're not even wearing pants. And they go turn the fucking key on their bike. And what happens? You just woke the motherfucker up out of like it was counting down the days to hibernation. And you just reset the clock, dumb fuck. Like, so now the bike is going to wait another 30 days. Well, pretty soon it's never going to go into hibernation mode because you got to go out and check it. Like, how many times do you open your refrigerator door to see whether or not the light went out? You know? So there's no way to put it in hibernation. My light never goes out. Exactly. But there's no way to put it in hibernation mode. Like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm putting it. No. It's, oh. it, it times out after 30 days. Mm. So, yes, I want there to be a knob somewhere that is literally just off, on, and hibernate. But the, the weird part about lithium batteries, um, and I know this from, you know, flying drones for a long time. Like the Inspire 1 used to, they, at some point, like they found out in colder weather, when it got below, I think it was like 15 or 20 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, negative one or two yeah. uh, Celsius, the shit would just fall out of the air. Yeah. So they actually had little battery warmers that went around the back and they'd kick on it. So it's, just, it's weird. Like the, the lithium batteries will work to a certain extent and right. they completely just fail. No, that what they do, what I noticed too, because I ride it in yeah. the cold, that it derates it immediately, like almost immediately. I could, if I take it out, it won't go fast. Right. When it warms up just a hair, mm -hmm. I can get max, maximum speed out of it, right. but only for a little bit. Right. Then it auto, then it derates it, mm -hmm. like by 10 miles an hour, then it derates it again by 10 miles an hour. So if the top speed on my FXS is 85, all of a sudden it's derated down to like 59 miles an hour, and it, you could have full throttle, and that's all you'll get out of it is 59 miles an hour, and you 60 have it miles in, an hour. You're in heated storage. It was in the in the garage there with heat. So it wasn't like it was cold, unless it's because it was warm, and then you took it outside, and then all of a sudden no, it got cold. That's where I'm coming. When it's okay. It's it's okay until I get most of the way home, and then it gets derated. Yeah. But then when I'm at home, I charge it up and come back, right. mm -hmm. and then it's derated almost the whole time because it it just can't push anything. Yeah. Well, because those those batteries probably have some you know method of cooling in them that you know as the air goes past them. They, it's supposed to be cooled off like that in under normal circumstances. They absolutely but, do. I mean, yeah. any any. Did you try putting a piece of card cardboard in front of the radiator? <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a damn fine idea. I like. I that. talk with the people at Zero, and I like they the said sound that's of that. what you should do. I do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that a lot. The uh, so you guys wanted some feedback uh so you know coming up real quick is the portland one show mm. um so please guys all the misfits are going to be there go to the portland one show i can't i'm too fucking busy right now i can't go i, I would love to go i feel a strip club calling me and a big I said fucking that steak. same thing today i know god damn it 
I'm overdue for my annual visit. I know. The riots moved to Minnesota, so you don't have to worry about that. Look, I... (laughs) There's a brass pole in Oberlin. (laughs) That's not Oberlin. That's Carlisle Township. Okay. Oh, so you... Yeah, it's really important to know the difference between those two things. But I, I... People are like, oh, well, Portland's, you know, whatever, war zone. It's not. I have way too many people thinking... Like the the scariest thing about Portland is going to be the people at the one show. That's going to be the most frightening thing. It'll be people trying to negotiate Dogecoin versus Bitcoin in the aisle and slowing things down. Hey, yeah. Pie Coins, where it's at. Pie yeah, Coin, yeah, really. Yeah, we don't know yet. <laughs> but we're we're mining. Yeah, we're mining every day. <laughs> More miners. Uh, so one of the great things one of our podcast listeners said is uh, we were talking about uh, Kiwi, like how uh, Kiwi wax, Kiwi boot wax and stuff like that mm-hmm. is, is important and everyone should know about it and, you know, hitting it with flame and, and making it into a molten liquid wax that penetrates your stuff and makes it awesome. Uh, this guy says, old marine trick, buff, do your final buff with pantyhose after brushing. Looks like a flawless spit shine in less than 30 seconds. I didn't know that, so that's fucking cool. That's very cool. I dig that. You, you, uh, you know what I finally bought? What did you get? Shoe stretchers. So all these like leather boots that oh, yeah. fit, but after 10 minutes, you're like, fuck, my feet hurt, and you yeah, have to break them in. Fuck that, dude. I bought shoe stretchers. The wooden ones? Yeah. The proper cedar proper ones? wooden ones, yeah. that, and, they have the, and they're for boots, so they have like yeah. the... Like a U-joint, yeah. looks like a transaxle. You can screw them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so proper. Good. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, so John Carden uh, would like to say that John McElfresh's job is to keep the podcast on track at all times. Mm-hmm. Dan Kropke's job is to derail John McElfresh <laughs> with liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that is fucking brilliant. That so, is factual. That is great. I love that. So that that is just fucking perfect. Uh, that's that's excellent. John, so, what were the yeah. topics that we're going to be talking about today? Uh, we're not. We, you, what happened? <laughs> Hell you guys, if I know. You listened to the last two podcasts. We were very careful. We made sure to list all the podcasts that we're going to talk about. Right, we, right. we covered all mm-hmm. the bases. I tried to keep us on track. Kept us on track and everything else. And honestly, not one person commented and said how happy they were about it. Hmm. Huh. So fuck okay. it. We'll never do it again. All right. Well, I don't think we actually stayed on track, but it's all right. Oh, wait a second. I thought we were supposed to not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we stayed on track by not being on track. Uh, totally on track then. It was totally on track. Did anybody see the Ham Yak ATV? Yes. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, the what? Yeah, no shit. The Ham Yak ATV. So I'm going to put it up on the big screen here for the the visually impaired. So the spelling on this is kind of weird. It's H-A-M, like you're eating ham. And yak is like if you ate too much ham. So it's ham yak ATV, and it is a real thing. Uh, It looks like it's from the future I want to be in. Uh, It is literally. Holy a big <laughs> ass. That's a snowmobile track, guys. It's a track. So yeah. it's a single snowmobile track. And that's it. And that's all you get. It is a single snowmobile track. Is that how you sit on it? No. That's a hipster. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a guy posting his pictures to Instagram. That's from Highway, no. Highway, Highway. Okay. They've moved. Highway, Highway, Highway has moved into this particular venue. <laughs> um, but I like everything about it. Um, it screams mid Ohio and nothing else. Yeah. Okay, it's it's smaller than I first thought but, it would be. Yes, it is but, fifty cc scooter size. Okay, but, yeah. but how do you turn? You just lean. 
I don't. I think I you have to actually sit and drag a foot or something. Probably. Yeah. Do you know the magic that we had when we had that wise Because I, I watched the video, right? And it was the guy riding it in a yeah. straight line oh, and kind yeah. of doing a wheelie and doing this. Yeah. And, and then he got off of it and kind of did like a donut thing. Yep. At no point did he actually turn. No, no. <laughs> I don't think the steering handlebars go right anywhere. There, that, yeah. Right. Right. I think it's just you muscle it around. But the thing was, when we were riding the Weisinger, like that child, the piece of my childhood that I never got to have because I was, you know, I was financially challenged. But like when I finally got one, I was shocked to find out that you don't ride those like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Oh, that like you do everything the wrong way. Nick found that out at my. Oh home. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it was incredibly intuitive once you get on it. I rode your your big red. Yeah, and it's like. Riding around on the on the pavement at first, I was like, "This is kind of weird." But as soon as I got onto the grass and got comfortable with it, it's like, "Okay, this makes sense." Yeah. And you, it's everything you know about motorcycles, but yeah, reverse. you're, you're leaning on, leaning into the turn. You actually lean the bike out of the turn exactly. and pick up the inside wheel. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, if you pick up the inside wheel, you're now using two different legs of the triangle, and the bike turns. Mm-hmm. So the the direction of the handlebars is totally insignificant, and that's I think what this does. I think the idea behind the Hamyak. ATV, and of course you know it's Russian, right? I mean, it's got to be. There's there's no getting around. This thing is as Russian as they fucking come. Like, this can't be anything but Russian. I mean, you don't think it's Chinese? I don't know. I don't know. Right, Every like, time what? I see a picture of it, it's got one of these Russian fucking crazy four by four floaty vehicles in the background. Yeah. Well, those I think are Ukrainian. The the Sherp. The yeah, the Sherps. yeah, the Sherps. Sherps oh. So every time I see one of these Hamyaks, there's a Sherp in the background, and mm-hmm. that means one thing. Eastern Bloc. Dude, those Sherps are impressive. Of course they are. They are so impressive. And I think P. Diddy will buy you one if he just likes you. <laughs> I think yeah, I think he's bought like a bunch of those for, Phil, for people he knows. I think you've got delivery outside. Oh, shit. Look at that. We sure do. Probably 16 bikes just waiting. Yeah. Got they, it. They it, wouldn't, sh- it wouldn't shock me. They've got a new distributor now, and they're, they're fucking freaked Guy out. Guy starts knocking on the door. Yeah. Got 16 bikes for you. Yeah, go fuck your hat, dude. At it's nine late. o'clock at nine thirty at night, we get people calling here at nine o'clock, nine thirty at night, wanting a spark plug. <laughs> not on, and not even unusual. Totally on the reg. Like, yeah, I need a spark plug for my kimchi or whatever the fuck. And, right. and Are they loading my helix? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, they're taking off. It's shipped. They got your bike. Delta Freight Systems. They just took your helix. So yeah, that fucking hamyak. That is baller. I love that thing. Ben Big. Ben Big sent me that, and I'm just like. Dude, that shit is fucking cool. Is there, is there any uh, word on how much those cost? I don't know. I don't know. But you have to do your own research. Like, yeah. we're not going to give you the whole thing, just the tip. Do you want uh, it painted? It's five bo- <laughs> bowls of borscht. <laughs> borscht is good. Yeah, I'm for, not dogging it. I'm saying. For many, many rubles you put inside your shirt. <laughs> the, uh, but he also said the KTM 1290 Duke RR sold out in 48 minutes. And a waiting list was created. I'm going to tell you, I've been in this industry for a long time. Nothing sells out in 48 minutes. Um, it takes shit six months to get to the fucking dealer sometimes. Uh, I don't, I mean, look, if this is what I think it is, which is a... Naked uh, sport bike. What's the best way to sell a bike? 
Or what's the way, best way to sell anything? Tell them that you can't get That's it. That's exactly yeah. right. well, I was going to say, make it a CT-125. That's also good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just don't make those. I mean, they <laughs> well, just hold on. Did, did they say how many they made? Yeah, I was going to say, they had 10 of them. So, yeah, they sold out in 40. 500. So, as All usual, right. when it comes um, to the special edition models, KTM used an online sales platform to get the RR going. And as also as usual, the entire limited production run of just 500 units was spoken for by customers from around the world. So, yeah, this isn't going into your dealership and buying one. Yeah. This is like going online and saying, I want to buy a Cybertruck and putting in a $100 deposit, maybe or maybe not. Uh, in, uh, but it does say that uh, in attempt to give those left without some hope, uh, the bike maker said that there is a waiting list that has been created in case your previous reservation was canceled. So eh, I, that's just marketing shit. That's yeah. n- that's not really. I mean, you can say it. That's great. But you don't have to back that up at all. Well, that's like everybody that put down payments on the new Bronco, the Ford yes. Bronco. Yes. And right. It came out. It didn't look like. Well, it, no, they came out with the Bronco Sport. Sport. I have yet to see an actual new Ford Bronco. True that. Right. I've There's seen videos of them, but I I've never seen, seen one in real life. Plenty mm-hmm. of Ford Escapes but it with looks a different like, grill. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, it looks like a Jeep Liberty or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's not the one that like everybody was like, oh my God, this thing's awesome. Right. Yeah. Like It just never yeah. happened as yeah. far as I see. Every time I see one of those things, I'm like, oh shit, that, is, that literally looks like the, the bastard child between uh, like a, a Fiat Dodge product yeah. and the cheapest land Land. Well, it's the equivalent of a Jeep Renegade. It is. You're right. So. Yeah, it's... And it does look, it does not look sexy in any, any of the good ways. You know what, you know what they need to bring back is the FJ40. Well, I mean. I totally agree. The the FJ Cruiser was a shot at that. Like they tried to do that with the FJ Cruiser. It's not the 40, man. But the trick is. It's not a 60 frame though, I think. The Cruiser. The FJ FJ is on a 60 frame. Well, the FJ Cruiser is subscribing to all of the things that make things suck. It's built for big, fat, lazy Americans. And so you can't take an FJ40, which was basically just a version of a Jeep, you know, a Japanese version mm-hmm. of a Jeep, and then say, okay, well, we're going we're to make it wider. Okay. You're going to make it wider. We're going to make it longer. Okay. We got to make it comfortable. Okay. We got to put air conditioning in it. Okay. We got to put right. 18 airbags in it. Okay. Great. We got to make it get 22 miles a gallon. Great. And what you end up with is a Bradley fighting vehicle because, like, <laughs> you don't. You all, everybody has the best intentions to build a thing that's going to do the thing and be historically accurate. Yeah. But like the closest anybody's ever gotten to any of that shit is like the clown car that is the Volkswagen Beetle, the new Volkswagen Beetle, mm-hmm. or the sweet ass HHR. <laughs> oh, God. Well, no, no, no. Okay. How about, how about instead, how about the, um, the mini, the BMW yeah. mini? Yeah. Which like has a longer wheelbase than a Land Rover Discovery. Mm-hmm. Well, so, the you know. 2003 was pretty cool. 2003 to five wasn't. No, the cool. early ones were good, yeah, and now right. they have like the Clubman. Yeah, they don't it's look the like a size of a oh, No, even even the, just the regular Mini is huge. Yes. Yeah. Now. yes. Yeah. A Mini is not a small car mm-hmm. by any standard. No, so. but I, I had a 2003 and an S, and it was a real European car because, like, it had electrical problems. It leaked water. Like, <laughs> no, cup, no cup holders. <laughs> it was made in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a real European car. 
Did you have another one of those red chicken wings or those red chicken fillets? Oh, yeah. Those Ooh. things are fucking flamethrower, man. I can smell it from here, and it's kind of making my eyes water. <laughs> you're, you're, and I didn't think it was that hot. Hey, how's, how's the plumbing at the one, shit Steve. plant? <laughs> you're gonna, my God, John's going to cause his own backup tomorrow at the shit plant. He might. He That's does that. every day. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> It's cool because if you run outside really fast, you can see your turd going down. <laughs> I'm going to eat this entire bowl of corn, and I'm not going to leave here until I watch it leave. <laughs> that sounds perfect. He's going to number them. Oh, God. You okay, big fella? My ass is going to fucking burn tomorrow. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I think drinking you know beer I, makes it worse. <laughs> You would. I go to Cozumel and I order a pint of habanero salsa, and okay. everybody there says you're the only people in this whole city that orders that. <laughs> and then every time they make it hotter, and I'm like, well, they want to make it hotter so you don't order it anymore. Okay, that makes sense. But they can't make it hot enough for us not to order it. So every single time we go in there, they make it hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, and it's like. My daughter and I just eat the whole thing, and it's great. Oh, man. Well, then you're winning. I mean, you're fooling them is ultimately right. The last time they gave us, uh, you know, they those uh, little styrofoam things? Oh. They're oh. about this big? Yeah. Last time they gave us one this big. <gasps> Shit. Like, maybe this will kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they will never come back. <laughs> At least, <laughs> at least you don't have to worry about cancer ever in your life this is because, true. like, burned it there's all no right way out. that you were gonna, between the whiskey and the hot food. There's cancer. Like, That's fuck true. this guy. Oh, I'm moving man. on. The that, uh, the problem is those are so tasty. It tastes so. They're good. so delicious, but they're so fucking hot. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting anywhere near those fucking things, man. That that is bad news walking. That's it. You see, it's the same thing. You know, Irish six inches. Yeah. And the hot scale, an Irish ten. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give me a, give me the hot ten. Give me the ten hot sauce. You're number ten. That's ketchup. <laughs> That's my buddies just tease me all the time. They're like, "Wow, you got the you got the medium sauce at Taco Bell. You're really playing living life dangerously over there, Phil." And I was like, "Yeah, man, I like a little flavor in my food. I'll go with the medium sauce." Yeah, they're like, "Yeah, we saw you put ketchup away because it was too spicy." <laughs> I'm better now. I don't do that shit anymore. It used to be really bad, but it's not so bad anymore. The um, it has been not confirmed. You guys, there is this fucking debate over AMA Vintage Days. What? AMA Vintage Days. So, you know, they've said that they're not going to open up the uh, camping sites, like sell, start selling camping sites. The num the, the date, uh, April 26th, has been thrown around quite heavily. But it is not possible right now on the AMA Vintage Days website to... Um, you can buy tickets. You can kind of get your body into the place. Mm -hmm. But campsites and vendor spaces are, are not yet. They said if you have your spaces from last year, they're going to honor that shit. You're good to go, which, of course, they would. But we're still in a weird spot. Well, people were talking about reserving campsites. Yeah. You never can reserve no. a campsite. You can buy it. I think, but when you get there, you have yeah. to go stake it out. What I think they're talking about are these campsites that are the ones that have power. Oh, the ones along the that are right along the straightaway. Track. Yeah, that are right along the straightaway. And I think those are the campsites they're talking about. They've got electricity on site. That's it. There's no toilet. There's no dump or anything. It's just a plug. But I think those are the reserved sites because they are expensive. Hmm. And so, and what is interesting is because there hasn't been a lot of events at 
mid-Ohio, the people that would normally just be camped there and fucking stay there for weeks on end aren't there. So that might be why they're doing the um, the ability for us to buy those sites. Now, one person said that they had site 121 and 127. Yeah. So is I that think what that they that's had from what they had last year. Yeah. Yeah. I looked into, I, I drilled down into that post and it wasn't like that was what they contacted them this year and booked and got those spots in the swap meet or spots in the camping, but they were spots that were from last year. I'm so. looking at, it's probably going to be 300 bucks if I want to, you know, between for getting a motor home and everything right. in there. Yeah. We all know that with mid Ohio, the, the camping part of it, having your camper, like, cause you could put your camper in the overflow parking. Mm. There's no reason you couldn't do that. There, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason except for being one of the guys that we saw up there in the overflow parking two years ago that were being pulled out by Daisy chained tractor hook to tractor, oh, hook to yeah, tractor. Yeah. Right. And those guys were proper fucked. Like those big giant, crazy 63 foot long toy haulers that were under, I mean, they were under the mud because the grass up there is like creme brulee. You don't go up into that area if there is a suggestion of moisture. Which every there is every year. It's almost guaranteed. If you go like right into the middle yep. where there's actually still sort of a gravel, gravel. up to the top and go right to the highest very level part. That's where, we where, did the, where we put the bus the one year yeah. where we got in there and it was wet. And we got that high ground and we were perfectly safe until we decided to go to Louvin Moto Corner. <laughs> well, yeah. Until we decided to go to the disco after pictures of margaritas. Mm. But... Like that camping angle, if you want to camp in the campsite, which is fucking massive and over by the dirt bike racing, there is a quiet camping area, family camping area that people do actually keep it quiet. The problem is you're 300 meters away from me yeah, and I'm not going to keep it quiet. So if I'm going to be where we are and we're doing the kind of noise we're doing and then the guy's... 300 meters from us are Louvin Moto corner. They're doing what they're doing until the sun comes up most of the time. So yeah, there's going to be two strokes. You might, right it might, you might have a point in the night where there won't be two strokes whizzing by your head while you're sleeping in your can- in yes. your tent. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And so they do, they do button it down pretty good in over in the dirt bike pits because they do the family have to, area and they have to get up at like seven o'clock and to get ready for racing and shit. So that is the thing. As much as like, you know, people maybe were kind of upset that we weren't in the mix the one year, it was nice to wake up and be able to be like, hey, let's have breakfast and not have a, you know, two stroke blowing something in your pie hole when you're trying to make your breakfast or coffee or something like that. Like, that was all right. It well, was nice. And also, we were right next to the swap meet. So, yeah, yeah that was <laughs> nice true too. too. Yeah. For and me, that- it doesn't really matter too much because I'm up by as soon as it's daylight, I'm up before seven o'clock. Yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm waiting for seven o'clock to start my bike up and go for a ride and go fuck around or yep. whatever. And yeah. it doesn't matter if I was up until five o'clock in the morning. Maybe I just fall asleep for a couple hours. And yeah, no, you're gonna go for it for a few days. That's an insomnia weekend. Yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm totally okay with it. I'll I'll sleep three hours a night. That'll be great. It's fifty bucks for the whole weekend, just to buy a pass to yeah. to walk in, and that's fucking great. I mean, that's cheap and that's, that's a good time. Uh, it is funny that there's a. They've started this VIP club thing. I'm going to throw it up to the big screen so you guys can see it because it's kind of funny. Uh, The VIP club, when you read about the benefits of the VIP club, uh, you get access to the Mid-Ohio deck. I'm not sure what that is, but I'm pretty sure that's part of the racing structure. It's like on the infield. When have you not been able to go on there? 
I don't know. Because I've so, been up there yeah. every year. Right. And I don't know if this is going to be like punk rock bowling where you pay this hundred bucks and you go somewhere and they've got like a bar there and they got clean <sighs> bathrooms, you know, that kind of deal. Um, you get a weekend general admission ticket, which would be 50 bucks, right? Right. You get a continental breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. Now that's gonna that's gotta be worth at least ten bucks a piece right yeah. there. So Saturday and Sunday continental breakfast, that's worth ten bucks. You get a catered lunch on Saturday and Sunday. Oh. You get light snacks on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which means they probably have a bag of chips, right? Yeah. Sitting out on the table. A limited open bar with beer, wine, soft drinks, and water, and a cash bar with liquor sales. How is this not the best deal in the world? Holy shit. It's a great deal. They have it's no a idea what they, great they deal. They have no idea what they're getting. Right. How can we, bar? How, how can we abuse this? <laughs> they will never do this. They will never do this. <laughs> this is the year to do it because right. they're thinking, like, how much beer can these guys drink? I am challenge not accepted. Joking. Uh, when I when Which I is limited, this, so that may they mean that might mean they give you two yeah. tickets or something. Well, then to it drink. can't be an open bar. It it's just a limited open bar. Meaning though. that they only have like one or two beers. That's what limited. I th- in my opinion, I, I think, think it limits you to the amount. Well, we're gonna put that to the test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be stupid to say. Hey man, I, I'm unlimited. I mean, yeah. They, yeah. it has to be an amount. It can't just be. What your selection is here? You have two beers, dude. You can drink a billion. Of there's them. at least seven of us going. We all have hats and shirts. We can switch several times. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I learned though in college, if you're willing to buy kegs, I can get it down to about five bucks a person. I'm yes, how much it would cost. Absolutely, I guarantee it, it is absolutely. Now they are going to hit you with a ten dollar order charge, so take that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and see if it it'll let you buy multiple tickets. Apparently, so that's nice. So that's cool. Um, that's fine. You know, that's, that's badass. The, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just fucking buy the thing and we'll see what happens. And, and we'll, we'll report to our podcast listeners how it fucking worked oh, yeah. because it it doesn't appear to be anything weird and it hasn't, you know, do you think I can drink a hundred dollars worth of open bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I have any, I don't think I have any problem at all drinking a hundred dollars worth of open bar. Plus of all the meals, come on. That's that's worth it, and it's fifty bucks to get a ticket for this thing anyway. So, and the folks from uh, AMA Vintage Days haven't uh, haven't contacted me yet to see if I would speak. You know, so I'm not being I'm not being compensated as a presenter in any way. So Phil, I'm going to give you some one gallon Ziploc bags when you go to the Continental Breakfast. Excellent idea. <laughs> yes, I need fourteen pounds of scrambled eggs, please. Yes. Yep. Just, It'll probably be one of those things that like Continental Breakfast is from 0600 to 071, 01, you know? Or you get a muffin and a cereal and a box banana. Of, a box of cereal. Box, the Thursday night thing that they do at the Honda Corner where they give you like the hot dogs and stuff oh, and yeah. the, the hamburgers. It's like, I can never get there in time. Yeah. I always yeah. get there and it's like just fucking scraps, man, by the time I show up. Well, and they had like a bag of chips and like we went by with the thing and I wasn't eating a hot dog. So I like put my thing up for some chips and the lady put like four chips on it. Like, oh, all right. Salad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Honda. Yeah. You, you, you won't, you won't go hungry. No. No, you won't, will you? Well, apparently, I was already enrolled in this thing. There was only one bag of chips. You know, you have to share. Have to uh, share. Yeah, that's true. Right. That is absolutely true. And it was true. snack size. Yep, I totally <laughs> agree. The uh, So that's cool. The uh, What I was thinking about, though, for AMA Vintage Days... Um, as now that we've now that most of you guys have seen the status of the trailer or the uh, warehouse, we're gonna have to sell some bikes. Like I gotta be there with my selling hat on. I can't just have my drinking hat on. And honestly, a lot of people that we we're friends with probably aren't gonna come out because you know COVID or things or whatever. Uh, but 
I think I'm going to have to be there and, and really try to sell some shit. So I'm going to get two or three swap meet spaces. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll have some space. We'll have some space to put some stuff. And, you know, as much as it pains me to think about it, yeah, I want to sell some stuff. I don't want to, I'm going to, I want to, I want to be that guy who rents a U-Haul trailer towed behind a U-Haul truck and delivers everything on Thursday and then doesn't bring any of it home. Including the U-Haul? <laughs> no, the U-Hauls get, that, that shit gets returned the same day. Like those are the one day rentals that they always brag about, but nobody can ever pull off. But I will do it. I'll be the guy who's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to pick it up right here and I'm going to return it right there in Lexington, you know, at the only U-Haul place in Lexington. Yeah, I'm, I want to be the guy who actually pulls that move off because I, w- I would love to empty that warehouse by about 25 bikes. Well, we have that whole, that whole row was designated to go to, to uh, yeah. AMA, right? Yeah, the entire row. That's 25, 30 bikes that we can all go to AMA Vintage Days. And like, and I'm sure that it, between now and then, we could get nine of those bikes running. Just... I'd like to go it. over there and get first dibs. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, what are we talking about? Those bikes are like, oh, I'm he wants the cushy seat Kimco. That Kimco? That's that, not a, I'm not that interested, but it's not a bad bike. I mean, like. <laughs> Boy, well, I will tell you, first of all, for Mid Ohio, that thing's a sweetheart. And it was at Mid Ohio two years ago, and nobody bought it. So we had it there. We had it marked down to like 600 bucks or something Mm -hmm. and nobody bought it. And like some dude came up and he was like, well, if that thing's still here on Monday or Sunday, I'm going to buy it. Crickets, man. That guy never showed up. It starts, it runs, it hauls anything you want to haul. It's a big, comfy scooter. But the seat is so butt ugly. The seat is butt ugly. It is. (laughs) What's it look like when your ass is sitting on it? Right. Exactly. It's invisible. So like a Russell Daylong. It's ugly. I'm sure there's no, but you're like this. This this is the dashboard. (laughs) 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 It it pushes you so far forward that you're. It absolutely does. Like not, not joking. It pushes you into the dashboard. Pretty sure I saw a Grand Vista 250 seat laying like Right next to it. Right next yeah. to it somewhere. Yeah. There is. There. We have plenty of those, man. I mean, that's not like. Yeah. <clears throat> that's not a deal breaker. Not even close to being a deal breaker. So, yeah. I mean, there's bikes that are there that we know they work because they worked at Mid-Ohio two years ago. There were a couple crash Vespas I was trying to work jam, like a dirty deal from. Oh, those those modern Vespas? <laughs> yeah. So there's I've got two crashed modern Vespas Ooh. that one of them's fuel injected too. One of them's uh, 150 I, I, and fuel injected. I already know that. I I know. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So James like, said I could have that for four hundred dollars. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> he did not tell you. What that. did Renee say John was? I don't know. What did he say? No, Renee. Well, oh, yeah, a punter. John turned into a punter. Like, John suddenly became a punter. I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't know if he under. just became a punter. <laughs> but I think he's got a long history of punting. <laughs> I thought it was funny, though. I, mean, I bought a bike. I bought stuff. I just bought a bunch of fine stuff. Yeah. Why shouldn't I prosper? Why shouldn't I prosper? Like, and that, I mean, that is the hilarious thing is, you, you get in that position where you're like, okay, you're, you're going to sell your, your, your friend a bike. So like, that's weird because you're like, we all, we all play together and you've bought oh, bikes from me. Play, you I bought bikes to, from me. I was trying right. to get guys in the lunchroom. I'm like, okay, we've got to call Phil. Somebody's yes. got to offer him 2,500 for that Versi right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Right. I want 10 guys to call him and just beat him up 
I want him to schedule appointments, <laughs> test rides, not show up. I want him begging to get rid of that verse. Yep, exactly. And then, so when I call and offer you three, I'm, I'm just, you're just doing me a favor, right? I mean, there's no. That's I easy. felt like you were doing a favor for what you sold it for me. You quoted <laughs> so, me a price and I paid it, and I'm and, happy. And, and exactly, and that's it. And when Except I saw for, you, it's only got horse, sixty horsepower. Oh, it's only got sixty horsepower. Clearly, that's a problem. Why even yeah. buy a bike with sixty horsepower? Right? Oh <laughs> man, true debt. Yeah, tuned for the low and mid range. <laughs> yes. Yes. He was eating PC eight hundred. PC eight hundred dust all day. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! Man. Oh shit! <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> he couldn't keep up. I was trying not to go too close to it because I was afraid it was going to just fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> shit falling off of it. Hey, Smith. Smith's ultimate bike on the way home from your place on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it has hazard lights apparently. <laughs> And they came on, and he couldn't shut them off. There's no way to figure out. I'm glad it. he's not here. I'm glad he's not here because we got to talk some shit on Chris Smith right quick. Oh boy! So Chris Smith owns the Moto Guzzi California 1400, and he's letting James have it for like two weeks. I didn't know that. That's what James told me. He's like, Christmas asked me to ride the Moto Guzzi to make sure that there's nothing wrong with He's going to let me ride it for two weeks. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to ride it. That's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> like, that is ridiculous. But let me ride it for two okay, weeks. <laughs> that motorcycle has an alarm system, yep. right? And that motorcycle has got ABS. It's got traction control. Mm -hmm. It's a modern cruise control. Cruise control. It's a modern cutting-edge motorcycle. He has never successfully started that motorcycle in the history of his ownership. And he's also called me to say, I got four lights flashing on my bike. And I'm like, which four lights are they? You know, like which ones on the dashboard? I'm picturing the, I'm picturing the, the speedometer. Cause there's 92 lights right. on the dashboard. Right. So. And I'm like, so which four lights are flashing? And he's like, well, it's the turn signals in the front and the turn signals on the back. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you mean your four way flashers? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, they won't go out. And I'm like, well, have you tried pressing the button on the bike that looks like a warning triangle? No, he did. He was pushing the button, and it wasn't shutting him off. Mm. Okay, but at some point I told him, turn the key on, press and hold the button, and when they stop flashing, turn the key off. And he did, uh, and they shut off. Because they're not still flashing now. <laughs> that we know of. Right, right. But he said they went off. He just put tape over. But the him. thing is, like, okay, once you activate the four-way flashers, oh, you have to like reset them. Think right? about it. Yeah. What are four-way flashers used for? My bike is broken. Mm -hmm. And you're right? going to take your keys. You're going to take case. your keys with yeah. you. So you're going to take your keys with you. The bike is broken. So the flashers would still be on, and you wouldn't be able to just walk up and turn them off because that would negate having the four-way flashers on. Now that makes sense. So you turn the key on. You turn the four-way flashers off. Oh, jeez! Oh. <laughs> I uh, who was that? That was James. who do you think? Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. It was it was. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there's finger pointing going on. <laughs> <out. laughs> I think it's bad though that the guy that's 180 degrees opposite the table for me is over here wafting, oh. and then the other guy sitting next to me is the guy kind of smirking because they're they're in like this weird game of like the world's worst game of Battleship. I must be in the jump stream because I didn't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right. That wasn't uh, bad. That wasn't bad. I turned down to the digester. I turned down my mic though. That's the thing. You could have like aimed it away from the fucking mic. Well, oh, I did. I aimed God. it back there. The mic's up here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean to do it. B six. <laughs> you sunk my destroyer. Oh. Yeah. Fuck! I just did order it. It's one hundred and ten bucks. They charge you a ten dollars service charge, Man. and uh, I did buy it. So here you go. Best one hundred and ten bucks you can spend. I, I, I will find out because I was going to spend fifty bucks to get a ticket anyway. So now I got the whole weekend pass thing, and I got something that gives me into the whatever they call it. What do they call that thing? They call it the. Uh, they call it the uh, the, the handy suite. The handy the handy the handy, <laughs> handy <deck>. suite. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mid Ohio handy deck. Yeah, everybody comes out happy. Yay! <laughs> My mic's still vibrating from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? You didn't even read the thing. It's like you get the weekend general admission ticket. Check. You get the continental breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. Check. Mm-hmm. You get catered lunch Saturday and Sunday, whatever that is. Check. You get light snacks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and they get the glory hole on Saturday night. So that's fucking cool. <laughs> They're looking out for you. Limited open bar. They, again. Limited. Wait, did it say you get to work the glory hole? It doesn't specify. Oh, okay. I gotta say, I'm pretty much equal opportunity at this point. <laughs> Look, I'll I'll throw a tug in for sport. I'll do my part. Taking one yeah, for the team. That's exactly it. The hell? Look at that can. Wow, very amazing. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's it's hoppy. It's a code name special operations. Aren't they clever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breakside Brewery, Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I'm not gonna drink this because I don't drink really super hoppy beer. So All right, Steve does. Yeah. Yeah. He likes any kind of hops. The uh Well it's Portland. I'm I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you gotta support him, right? Yeah. Uh so yeah, that's that. So I don't know. Anybody else yeah. got anything else? Ah. Uh, anything mm. fun or exciting? No, not no, really. It's been I mean, a just, boring week. Yeah. Okay. I, I because it's been a, a year. I've been riding this year, so as you know, last year's podcast was always like, Yeah, I haven't ridden a bike or anything, right. but I've managed to ride a few days to well, work and everything. Here, here and is the one problem with your compound. Every week now, we plan to go ride. Right. And then we right. meet at his compound, and then we end up just fucking off and like building a thing or parking his RV or chainsawing shit. Or oh, drinking. you mean you mean you're going somewhere and having fun? Yeah. Yeah, right. Because yeah. when you go to the clubhouse, you don't need to go out and find other adventures if the clubhouse right. has all the adventures there. And I guess... 38 miles there and back is almost 70 mile ride. That's a hell of a ride. ride. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's over, over 100 for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah. I mean, come on. That's more than the Distinguished Gentleman's ride is supposed to be. Right, right, right. right. So, so, so they, I have a question for the panel. Okay. Um, told you I just put the new rear cushions on the uh, rear wheel of the S65. The mm-hmm. cush drive. Yeah. The yeah. Um, So the. I call them buffers. There's still a problem with the chain adjustment where mm-hmm. it's. Too loose here. Turn the wheel 180 degrees, wow. and it's too tight. Interesting. Whoa. Well, you, how's your sprocket? Yeah, so your sprocket center. I mean, did you may take a measurement from the edge of the rim on either side to like you know into the sprocket to see how your sprocket is sitting? Did you take a look at it to see? I looked at it. There's nothing. Spin the wheel. Does this? I mean, right. I, that's what I did. I spin the wheel and you know keep my head lined up mm-hmm. and. It all seems fine. It's got to be at the front sprocket. Well, or, what about the chain? I've seen where chains. Is it a brand new chain? It's a pretty new chain. Yeah. Oh, see. But I've nice seen. But I've had. I've had chains where like they on. they get a tight spot in them, and it's like. Dude, when, you know, I, when but, I cut when I cut the FJ chain off before I should have, but anyways, um, I rolled it backwards, right? And you'd expect when it came off the back because I cut it here, like down here, 
and you'd expect the rest of it just kind of roll down to the ground and pile up. <laughs> just rolled off and it stuck straight out right. for like a foot and a half. It looks like, like a sword. That was the yeah. bad part of the chain, yeah. man. It looks like a sword. And it didn't look that bad. I mean, enough. I honestly don't think there's a way you could put that together that the sprocket wouldn't be centered. I mean, if right. you're using they're, brand they're new buffers, sprocket. right? Are, are centered enough. You know. yeah. yeah, exactly. Because the there's a, there's an axle and there's a bearing yeah. and there's a hub and that's it. And as long as you don't have any slop in any of those items, the, the sprocket should only go in a non-orbital fashion. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Now, okay, let's throw the weird shit out. So, is, it a new, is it a new sprocket on a slightly used chain, though? I think they're... Maybe a new chain on two slightly used sprockets. Okay. That can have some problems there because, like, they just the way they wear in together. But yeah, right. and that's I, true. I, I can't be sure of that, but I think it might be a new chain. Mm-hmm. And if you do, and we know this, if you have uh, a motorcycle that was designed to have a, let's say, for the sake of argument, a four twenty or four twenty eight chain, and somebody's running uh, the wrong size chain, which you might not be able to tell by peeping it because it's very hard to tell. The difference between a 420 and 428 chain until you actually count the links out and measure the links over a given distance. And it'll tell you. You can look it up and it says like, okay, for, for 10 links, it should be X amount of millimeters. Um, and that's a good way to test both the wear of the chain and how worn out the chain is, but also to know the, uh, the type of chain it is because it isn't marked on the chain whether it's a 420 or 428 or whatever. So you can go online and you can look and it'll tell you how many links is supposed to be how many inches and or how many uh, centimeters. And this way you'll know two things. Is the chain within spec? And two, what type of chain it is. Then if you would be able to find out if you had a mismatched chain, because yes, if you have the wrong chain on the wrong sprocket, then your teeth are going to be out of time. So what will happen is exactly what you're saying, and that is that the chain will be as the front sprocket and the rear sprocket are rotated. They're not counting the same number of revolutions. Mm-hmm. The rear sprocket is going one revolution. The front is going multiple. I wonder how obvious it would be, though. If you, I guess, if would you be able to tell visually if you had a 428 chain on a 420 sprocket? It's not like, that easy. Yeah. And I mean, I've been there before, and we've had a lot of bikes that came in mm-hmm. where the guy was like, any port in a storm... I need a chain to get home. And they're like, well, it worked. So we'll leave it on there. But it's the wrong size chain. You what might happens want to if you go 360? Does it loosen up again? Say again? Yeah. If you turn it 360 degrees. Oh, it's, it's, it's 180 degree opposites. Tight, loose. Right. Tight, mm. loose. Is it, is tight, it, loose. Is it tight, loose with the rotation of the chain or the rotation of the wheel and sprocket? Like if the, you because the wheel and sprocket because one rotation of the wheel and sprocket isn't going to do a full rotation of the That's chain. Right. right. That's right. No, it's the Are wheel, you sure it's the wheel, wheel and, sprocket. and sprocket. You sure it's not a bearing or something in the back wheel? Like maybe it's like binding, so like it goes halfway. Well, it would have to be but concentric. Is it, it taking the, is the shaft? Would have to be somehow concentric, or the the axle would have to a be bent concentric. Axle. A bent axle would do that. I no. mean. No, I don't think it would because no. it, it's no. so. It's going to be so, bent. It's not going to. It's not going right. to be ellipsed. It's, it's so close to the to the pivot point right. of the axle that it's not going to to move forward and backwards right. on a bent axle. Well, I mean, it, like, okay, so you do all the easy shit. Mm-hmm. First thing you do is you bend a coat hanger and check your run out. So you know you you take a you know sacrifice a coat hanger to the coat hanger gods and take it out, wrap it around your stay, you know, or your shock mount and put it out there and, and just make a fucking indicator on it. Make the world's cheapest dial indicator mm-hmm. and then run that fucker out. 
you know, spin it out and see what it does. You know, if you got wavy gravy, okay, you got somewhere to look, right? And if it don't, if it's look, if you know, it's straight and it looks good. And then also remember that your back sprocket on the swing arm, there will be some notches. There'll be some marks on the swing arm. And everyone thinks that the marks on the swing arm are there to line it up left or right. They're not. The marks on the swing arm are simply a reference point. They are not necessarily machined in with laser beam accuracy. And some people are like, oh, if you're in, if you're on the third tick over here, you got to be on the third tick over here and it'll be perfectly straight. Do not trust that shit. Um, make sure it's straight before you sock it down because I have seen those tick marks on those swing arms be wrong as fuck. And you'll have, if you look down, you know, people, they sell a laser. I mean, they sell a fucking laser. But you can I, use I your eye. one of the clamp-on yeah. things I put on there and yeah. align the chain and sprocket. You can use like your mom's old fucking yardstick she used to beat you with. It's fine. You don't need anything special. You don't need laser optics to see if your sprockets are enough lined up, right? And you can also see when you, when the chain passes over them, if they're, you know, if you're putting a kink in it, you know, if it looks like a dog's leg, it's fucking, it's fucked, but God damn it. If you're getting to that point where you, it's like, it's literally timed to the rotation of the wheel, then it is very much, you're like, oh, then that's got to be something in the sprocket because the right. sprocket is timed to the rotation. At, at least you can wheel. narrow it down to right. something on the rear axle. Right. And then now you bend your coat hanger the other way and you make a run out gauge for the sprocket. So you bend it. So now you're not just doing a run out on the wheel. Now you're doing a run on the sprocket mm -hmm. and make sure there's not a high spot and a low spot on the sprocket because it also could have been, you know, Uncle Harry's house of discount sprockets. And, you know, <laughs> you, you do. It's an oval. It's an oval sprocket. It's, it's a biopace. Mm -hmm. Any of you bicycle people from yeah. the 80s know yeah. all about those mm -hmm. things, right? Oh, they've come out six times now with different names. Every oh, time they? it's the new, don't waste your crank speed, you oh, know, whatever. Oh, fuck the force it. And, yeah. Exactly. And meanwhile, all it does is every time I try to pedal and grunt, I fall over the handlebars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just what the fuck? Adjust the chain to the tightest spot. Yeah. And take it for a good long ride and lube the shit out of it, it and then come back and see if it went take away. Take the chain off, put the chain back on backwards. Yeah, flip it over. Flip huh? it over. <laughs> so that's always been my trick is lube the fuck out of it and then put it on upside down a little bit loose, just a little bit loose. And then, you know, ride it and hit a couple of bumps and you'll be like, it'll be like, oh shit. Now all of a sudden it's fine because I do agree the culprit in all of this is a straight spot in the chain. Because except for the fact that it's timed to the back wheel, yeah. I think the timing to the back might, wheel might be a coincidence. I think you might have a 52 tooth rear sprocket and a 100 four tooth chain, which would essentially then be timed to the time to the back wheel. Remember that CTX? Yeah, it did the exact same thing. Yes, it did. That thing, that thing did ja 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 yeah. ja, and that it fucking annoying as shit. But you're right, that CT, and that was a new motorcycle. Right. It was like a two year old bike, and that fucking bike did that. That thing was definitely. We chased that. We thought there was something wrong with the suspension, or the rim was bent, or something, and it wasn't. It was that fucking chain had a fucking. Flat spot in it, or a tight spot. Let's just it call it what it was. It had season. seasonally affective erection disorder. It was stiff. <laughs> it was stiff for a portion of it. And just enough of that chain was stiff, probably from it just sitting that way. Mm -hmm. And it just got tightened up. So, you know, flip it over, lube the shit out of it, and run it. And yeah. see if that knocks the kink out of it. That's, That's all right. I can think of, you know. Or buy a tin of wax and immerse it or whatever, you know. Boil it. I mean, it's it's yeah. well oiled. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's gonna get its thing. So yeah, I think flip yeah, 
Flipping it upside down. I mean, visually, I, I would think if you took the chain off yeah. and you spun the wheel, yeah. you would if that sprocket would, wasn't aligned, yeah. or if you just put a, a, a screwdriver and held it there, yeah. it would go. That's right. Yeah. If it's not doing that, then right. it's got to be a stiff chain or something, yeah. or something with the front sprocket. I don't know, but I don't know either. Or you got a tight spot somewhere, and you're like, maybe it's in the the transmission, the counter shaft. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you're turning, you know, well, it's not... That it wouldn't but, be timed with the rear wheel. Though. Right, it wouldn't be timed with the rear wheel. It wouldn't, no. but... It's a, that's, a, that's a good head scratcher, but I'm certain that it's going to be something did pretty you, easy. Have you, when you had the chain off, did you spin the back wheel and see if it's smooth without the chain yeah, on it's it? Totally it's fine? Smooth. Yeah. yeah, all right. I feel like you just need to run a little bit and see what that doing. does. I agree. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent one. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, if you have a Suzuki, you should check right now. I believe I hear your stator going out. Um, just going to let you know, it's that time of the year where 26% of the phone calls we take are Suzuki's with dead batteries and, uh, they're not charging. Crisis I don't know averted. any, I don't know any idiots <laughs> that own a Suzuki GS. No, no. Well, I'm, I, in, only geezers own those. In his defense, <laughs> it's not, it's the Katanas. Let's oh, just call oh, it GS. Yeah. I was going to say, because yeah. my, my GS started, my right. fucking 80 started on the first push of fucking the button and ran like it's a GS fucking It's GSXRs. I'm push going to tell the you. Push the button. Push the button. <laughs> Every one of these motherfucking, like, uh, these guys, I know what's happening, and I don't have any sympathy for them anymore. They parked their bike in November. They walked away. They have not looked at the bike sideways mm-hmm. since November. It may have been sitting outside. It may have been. It may have been. There With may a have been cover on a it. family With of the grill yes, a family of mice living in it. But what I can tell you for sure is these guys all call me and they are just surprised as fuck that they've got a dead battery. And then they come in and they buy a brand new battery, and then they leave after buying their brand new battery, and they call me back two days later with a dead battery. And they're just shocked as shit that that could have possibly happened. So what I have found is the missing, the one thing that is common is a lot of these guys are jump-starting their bike with a dead battery mm-hmm. off of the car or whatever. So the, the bike is running, and they probably jump it and probably let it sit for like 14 hours mm-hmm. to warm up uh, their air-cooled bike. And I'll bet you the voltage regulator that whole time is going... I'm not a charging device. Right. I'm not a 10 amp motorcycle battery charger. And I think that's probably what executes I, I, the state. And when of I hear that, I you. imagine it in Nick's voice. <laughs> that's the perfect voice for that. But it, as, if you're using your uh, voltage regulator as a 10 amp battery charger, like you're going to resurrect a battery that is deader than Frankenstein's monster um, using just, you know, a bike idling at 1200 RPM. You're probably going to murder your voltage regulator or your stator. Uh, one of those two is not going to survive the issue. If it's a Suzuki, it was probably already dying, uh, and this is just the final nail in the coffin. But that has been the the thing. It's a three call system. Call one, bike won't start. Call two, um, the battery you sold me. I want my money back. This battery you sold me is a piece of shit. Call three is, well, what do you mean it needs a stator? And why are they so expensive? <laughs> so. <laughs> I just bought a really nice, cheap uh, battery charger off of Amazon's bestseller. Oh yeah, it's a twelve twenty four auto charger. You know, it was thirty bucks, right? But it's uh, it's got a little nice little LED lead, read right. read out that reads like you know percentage of charging, auto charge four different cycles for cars, mm-hmm. NICAD, repair, something else. Fuck, okay. I don't even know. 
I was using it on the chairlift because it's 24 volts, so you hook it up and it, that's kind of cool. It's got a built-in cooling fan and everything and hooked it up. And, and it did 24 volts? It does 24 volts. What? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yellow. Get out of here. Yellow in color. Hmm. And that's fantastic. So is, is it technically advertised as a charger? Yeah, charger maintainer, 12, okay. 24 volt. Ah, is it the one for twenty five ninety nine that has like yellow? It looks like a looks like somebody re- replicating a hornet. Mm, very possible. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I you guys see my rig over there? I've got a you know a tabletop power supply and stuff, and so mm. I custom I artisanally blend all my own voltages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was cool. I mean, it, I hooked it up. It sat there and charged it. it. It went blip 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 blip, and then finally it was one bar, one bar, one bar, and then when yeah. it charged it up, it clicked the off and fan shut off. Is it, and it that was one? It Show me on the doll where the man looks, touched you. It looks kind of like that yellow one, yeah. yeah okay. Huh. Because the NoCo that's next to it, the, ne- the NoCo Genius, mm-hmm. is one that we have here in the shop, and we swear by those things. I mean, those mm-hmm. NoCo Genius chargers, um, they'll let you do lithiums. They'll let you do you but, know all kinds of rude but, things to a battery. But you still got to have, like, all these new ones, though. Yeah. If you want to fuck with batteries and try to bring them back from the dead and you stuff, need amps. you need an old-school fucking, like, put it on start, get the 50-amp thing. <laughs> And it doesn't give a shit what kind of battery it is. Yeah. It's like, it, there's no, it's a dumb charger. Oh, well, like I got two, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have yeah. one of those. Those are illegal now. Really? What? They're like high flush toilets. They're like high <laughs> flow shower heads. There are things in the world you're not allowed to have anymore. And one of the things you're not allowed to have anymore is a dumb charger. Oh, <clears throat> so a, well, a transformer in a box. Exactly. Yeah, it is. The, all it is, is a, tw- is a 14 volt transformer in a metal case. Dude, as I've said oh. before, the best dumb charger is just another battery. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Right. So yeah, right. just hook it up to another battery. And That's illegal too. put 650 <laughs> cranking amps through it. And right. Yeah, I gave the one to Phil, yeah. and I still had two, uh, like a 50-amp and yeah. a 10-amp, and somebody gave me another 10-amp dump charger t- in the meantime. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, that's like it's raining gold over where Kromke lives, <laughs> because every time you walk into Hazard Fraught, and you're like, oh, I need a battery charger. You buy the battery charger, and you're like, you hook it up to your battery. It will not send current down the lines unless it detects 12 volts is already there. I bought the motherfucker because 12 (laughs) volts wasn't there. So it can't do the one thing it needs to do. It's like having a light switch on your wall that only works if the room's lit. Right. It's like, what the fuck, man? You got to trick it first with your dumb charger. And then once it sees 12 volts, then it'll continue to charge. Exactly. So you need two chargers. You hook up to the dumb charger, and then you put the smart charger on top of the dumb charger. It is annoying as fuck. And I've tried a bunch of these things, and you're right. You have to trick it first with a dumb charger or, like you said, another battery, you know? Yeah, because that's true. And, and you will. The nice thing about using another battery is it will make the smoke come out of the bad battery. So if you have one battery that's bad and one battery that's not, the battery that's bad will immediately let you know it's bad. Because in a dumb charger, you can take like the old lead acid batteries yeah. and you can knock them with a 50 amp charge yeah. and knock the shit off the plates. Yeah, yeah, right. And go exactly. from there and get it bubbling real good. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The lithium batteries love that too. They do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same with lipos. They're really. They're really <laughs> it, um, is, it is pretty funny because the NOCO will automatically detect. That's the nice thing about it is when you hook the NOCO up and you forget. You're like, because I mean, we've got a bunch of charges running around here and some of them are lithium, which means they won't go over, you know, 14. Four, mm-hmm. and then some of them aren't lithium which means they will go as high as they need to to achieve their goal right which of course is not cool for lithiums and the noco is nice enough that when you hook it up it automatically goes oh if this is an agm or this is a lead acid or you know whatever or this is a gel cell and it automatically detects it and that's why i do like the noco chargers because they do 
save you some like you can't fuck it up too hard you know that's that's pretty important but yeah i as far as the, releasing the smoke from these fucking batteries yeah that's that's become a thing i do like the artisanally crafted battery charging setup i have over there oh, yeah. Yeah. because i can walk past it several times during the day <laughs> and be like oh look it's putting out you know it's putting out 900 milliamps you know and then later on, I'm like, oh, it's putting out 125 milliamps. Mm-hmm. I'll crank that bitch up. And yeah, I can kind of go through and cycle it on my own with the desktop power supply. So I, I read an article, or not article, a, a thread this week mm-hmm. on one of the It's kind of an article. It's just an article. It's just a really short article. But I think we've talked about this before, yeah. but it, it was so poignant. This dude had bought, I don't know, probably a Harley or something. I don't, I don't remember the bike, but it had a lot of chrome. And he was very proud of his bike, and it was last year he bought it. And so as we discussed... Um, he bought like the best, the best cover that you could get that, you know, just completely solid, awesome cover. And he put the bike with this awesome cover in his unheated garage. And, and then the temperatures went up and down as they do. And this cover is not designed to be in an area like that. So it just retained all the water inside of it. And so his brand new bike, he was complaining and he was trying to say that it was the cover's fault. He had this whole thing where he was going to sue the cover company. Yeah, because the cover put it on itself. Right. Yeah. yeah. But he pulled the cover off and, and I'm sure it had, you know, he didn't do anything with the gas, no battery right. charge. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other things, but all his chrome, all this, all the aluminum, everything was all corroded. Well, that's the only important part. <laughs> chrome. <laughs> right. That was the, the worst thing. And the, the ultimate irony too is like, okay, he did build the perfect greenhouse. Right. Like, yeah. If you would have tried, you couldn't have built a better greenhouse right. in your garage where, of course, the temperature does go from 50 degrees to well, 20 degrees. And he mentioned and he mentioned that he keeps his snowblower in the garage. Too. Oh, so he was going yeah. out and pulling it back and yeah, forth. Sure. And so the water's in oh, there. Yeah, and he's bringing moisture better. in there. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that concrete's soaking up all that salty water mm-hmm. from the snowblower mm-hmm. and just like holding that like a big sponge. Yeah. So yeah. I think we talked about it before, but now yeah. it's, you know, obviously it's spring. So you're taking them off. But ecosystem, man, you got an ecosystem in your garage and yeah. that's what happened is that dude just fucking held his bike underwater for yeah. like the better part of five months so yeah that's a good that's a good tip yeah so when you relieve when you when you take yep. your bike dust is better than rust right oh, now, now that winter is over don't do that yeah <laughs> right now the winter's over exactly the uh that is unless a, you're in australia yeah that's true that's true those guys might have something to talk about mm-hmm. on that uh i don't think i got anything else john what did you order fun for your verses uh, I ordered the GV tank lock bag okay. and the tank lock ring. So, I, I Which know. is genius. Yeah, Kevin had that on his bike, and I really loved it, and I'm like, I'm I have the tank out. lock ring, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know what to order. I, like, I didn't even know is what Is it a GV one? I think so. It's on, yeah. It, can't, it's like, it, looks like, it looks like a soup bowl on top yeah. of my gas yeah. thing. Right. Well, we could compare it to what I have. And okay. We'll, we'll yeah. It'll say GV right on it. Yeah. yeah. All right. But it's that's basically you take a couple of the screws out yep. for your around your gas cap. A ring, a locking ring goes on it, and then you do, your bag just goes. Ka-dunk. It's so fucking. Oh, cool. that's cool. And it doesn't that. actually even touch your tank. It hovers yeah. above your tank, and I just got the small four liter bag mm-hmm. that'll hold your sunglasses, your wallet, you know, some yeah. bullshit in there. Does it but, block your your filler cap? Or yes. Uh, yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. So when you go to take it off, you pull a little. There, uh, there. I believe there's a little nylon cord. Yeah. You pull. And twist, and it comes off, and you fill your gas, and you just put it right back, back on. on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave it laying at the gas station. I mean, they're so much cooler than a magnetic bag. They're they're they work much better. The downside, like you said, is you do have to remove it for filling purposes. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, have I've you had, ever had a strap-on bag? It takes yes. like fucking forty-five minutes. You're like, shh, shh, shh. I, it, uh, I will not use a magnetic bag ever no. again either. It'll eat yeah. your gas tank. The magnetic. As soon bags. as you set it on the ground, right. it's going to pick up something ferrous yes. and it's going to scratch the shit yeah. out of I've your tank. I've never had yeah. a magnetic 
the, all my magnetic bags, I would always pull the magnets out, clean the shit out of the bag. I'd cut the magnets out of the fucking bag. And then I clean the shit out of the bag and then put a T-shirt down and then put the magnetic bag on top of the T-shirt because those things take paint off a gas tank like nobody's fucking business. Yeah. The best use, though, for a magnetic tank bag is to throw the fucker away and harvest all the magnets out of it. So I've got all the magnets out of my tank bag around the front of my tool chest over there. You'll see this big, giant hockey puck-looking magnets. <laughs> those things are boss. Those things are kick-ass. Yeah. They, they, they stick air to air. Like, they're good. <laughs> but you throw the bag away fast. Um, just save the magnets. Uh, so you got the the GV high speed low drag mm-hmm. uh, gas tank ring filler thinger, which is badass. It's called tank lock. Tank lock, of course. Great name. <laughs> it's tank lock. Makes sense. And then uh, I also got the Coso. Yeah, they're Coso the heated Apollo heated grips. Nice. Yeah. So those are the type that have uh, over here on your left. There's a button, and you hit it. And it goes from blue to green to yellow to orange to red. Five right. different heat settings. They're finally civilized. This so, is weird. You're going to have, dude, yeah. what is this guy? Again, my buddy Kevin had those on yeah. his bike. And yeah. when we were, we took off at 39 degrees and there was frost on the bikes. That was the only thing that saved my life was. Those, it changes your life. Those I mean, grips were made it so much nicer. I can't believe, we talked about this before, but I can't believe the difference the heated grips make to your, your overall comfort. I don't know if it's just the blood because like it's like it's like <laughs> you're like having well, an I mean, I, even riding to work these last you know couple you know it's like 22 miles out there for me right, right. and at 45 50 degrees in the morning my hands were freezing off and my gloves sucked so I did buy a new pair of Olympia gloves yep what else I'm in the market for a helmet uh, I bought uh, the rear rack I bought the arms to mount to give my yep. so I want to set it up so I can take my top box that I have which right. is the biggest top box that. You can fit two helmets. It's a 97 liter, right? It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> and I just, it's and basically I, a truck cab. It is. <laughs> it says turtle on it. It says turtle top. <laughs> Escargo. You'd camp in it. Yeah. Oh, seriously. I mean, there's. Pop top. With, yeah. that, with that top box, you don't really need, you know, side bags. No, anything, no, but, that's it. And, but it's also a backrest for my wife right. when she rides it. It just says Goldwing who? Yeah. So I bought the arms and everything in a plate that I'm going to, you know, yeah. it's not supposed, it's supposed to use a newer plate on it. I might have to do a You'll be mount. fine. I yeah. might put like a plate on a plate. I might put a plate on that and then drill holes and yeah. put the mounting plate on oh, that. Oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what I, I have. I have plates you can have um, from very expensive um, ADV kind of stuff that mm-hmm. you just drill holes. I'll, I'll bring him next week. Cool. Yeah, if you think Or this it. weekend or if whatever. Yeah. That's I think a, that's, that's about it. I'm in the market. I probably want to get a windshield. I should order. The GV has a windshield, but there's also another one that's a smoked windshield, which I think would kind of look good on that bike. It would look because, good on that bike. Because it's sort of, you know, it's black and green. You should and get, like, the like, neon green, and then that'll match your LED <laughs> underglow that you're going to put on oh, the bottom, yeah. too. And I have the LED under green underglow lights already from Hall- Piper's Halloween costume. So Perfect. There you I'm go. Ready to go. I want to do a whole distribution though. I'm going to do a re. I want to get my ignition. I'm going to fire it off a relay. Yeah. Have my uh, somehow. I want to do the electronics really nice on it too, so I can. If only you could find a guy that knew. I how have to a do handlebar. That. I do already have a handlebar USB thing and stuff like I that. I was really happy with the KLR I put together that I sold before I did anything with it. But by using that power distribution block, mm-hmm. I was able to get all those weird lights. I had all the heated grips. I had everything in the world. And it all had its own blade fuse. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I, it was just so fucking simple. 
Yeah. And then uh, I'll buy an LED one that so when it, they'll all be lit with yep. when you when they're powered, their yeah. LED is on when yeah. the fuse blows, it goes out. So yeah. you can immediately see if you blow and a fuse. The other one I saw that I bought, I bought, but I haven't used it in a project yet, is I bought the one that has breakers. Mm-hmm. And I love that. The, the breaker one is so fucking cool because then if something does happen, you can look and see which one it is. And then you discover the source of the heat. I mean the short, and then flip the breaker, and you're good to go. Well, it's, they also have those little mini breaker things. I like, got the mini breaker ones. You can just. I got them on. They're built right into the fuses. Uh-huh. Honestly, that is one of the trickiest things, but I don't trust it because it's so tiny. I mean, you think about a breaker. A breaker's, a, you know, a ten amp Clunk. breaker. Yes, a ten yeah. amp breaker has got some fucking gravity behind it. Not. You know, because mm. like you basically would have to push those like the tip of a paper clip. Sure. And you're like, that's 10 amps. They were I using it. I mean, I saw those a lot mm. in the heavy trucks, you right. know, Peterbilt's. Yeah. Kenworth. Whereas the breakers on the power distribution brick are actually big enough to feel like their 30 amps are doing something real. Mm. Whereas a, a bus fuse or a, you know, a, a, what is that? AGC? Is that what they're called? Uh, AWG or whatever they, I can't the glass ones that. or is that yeah yeah no the plasticky ones oh. the blade fuses oh but whatever gotcha. their nomenclature is for mm-hmm. those fuckers for the normal ones they just don't seem to be enough that if they were a push button resettable thing there'd be enough there to be a trustworthy 10 or 30 amp thing so well I could tell you they yeah. will pop because <laughs> we know they pop yeah I know they pop just the, do they unpop because mm. <laughs> I know the fuck they I guarantee they fucking pop I've shot lightning through those motherfuckers and they pop, but they don't unpop. <laughs> what are we? Are we thinking of any mini bike riding on Sunday? I'm working this weekend, so I'll be out there. I probably will work six to two Saturday and Sunday. If you guys show up or if you're out there, I'll join you okay. in progress. I might actually even camp out Saturday night because my RV's there. Shit, that's nice. If I did that, I might work five to one. So I'll just. You know, be done early. Roll out of bed, walk right. across the creek, and go to work. Not the worst job it's in the world. dumpster days, too. Oh. So if you have garbage, you could take it to the township and throw it all in the... But you have to have an ID, which oh, okay. I do. Right. So. Yeah. I think the old man's going to be out there tar- working on the house. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That's something for Sunday. All right. Yeah. I, I like the sound of that. Get together Ooh. and... Brat, 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 brat. Yeah. That sounds like fun mm-hmm. to me, man. All right. That's all I got. They get it all? Got it uh, all. Fuck hey, it, dude. One but, more thing. Yeah. Um, I just had an awful thought. Uh, I sold the Bandit. Yes, you did. Without to rem- s- removing the airbox this spring. So I have a sneaking suspicion that this lady is somewhere in Texas yeah. with the Bandit yeah. with an airbox full of birdseed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you, I mean, do you have evidence to suggest that there are well, vermin? Well, just, just experience from every past year that I've owned the bike. Okay. <laughs> so if you are this lady who just bought this bandit and she's in Austin, Texas? I yeah, think so. In maybe. Austin, Texas. So if you uh, if you smell the, the dulcet odor of uh, sunflower seeds when you're riding. Empty well, the airbox. Empty the airbox. Right. Do you think sunflower seeds would pop like popcorn? No, they won't. No. Mm-hmm. They'll roast. Yeah. roast them. We know the one that um, we had the, the Unless bike. Unless there's actually corn in there. The there bike that filled something. up with duck corn. You know, so the, the duck corn, all the vermin had moved and filled the entire frame of the bike up with duck corn. Mm-hmm. And so 
we kind of thought we had all of it out until the bike crashed and was upside down. And we found like another seven pounds of duck corn inside of this thing. This bike did occasionally like when it would run, it fucking smelled like popcorn. Now it never actually produced popping corn out of it, but it did have the popcorn smell. And when the bike went upside down and all that extra corn fell out years later, that was hilarious. I has, mean, has anybody ever like at a scooter rally or something filled the exhaust with popcorn? No, yeah. no, you're just pissing your helmet. No, but no. that would be oh. fucking hilarious. Well, remember man. the the last um, the last band camp that we went to yeah. two years ago. Somebody was handing out those noisemaker things with yes. the little <laughs> propeller. Yeah, with a propeller. And yeah. we were duct taping yes. them to the exhaust yeah. pipes. Yeah, and they're hilarious. Yeah, that was that the ones you put in your mouth and go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those things and we put them on the exhaust. And just, yep. but think about that. Like in one of those, like the the hollowed out kind of racing sip. Like they look yeah. stock, but they're not exhaust oh, yeah, yeah, on a yeah, Vespa. Yeah. Right. You could just pour a little. Well, there's oil in it. I was I'm, sure say. The, <laughs> I'm sure the Russians have done it. Yeah. I, I mean, come on. They've they been have cooking. a deep fryer that's built uh, into the exhaust. Yes. Dude, that would okay, be great. Yeah. They they surf, just, the Russians surf with dynamite. They're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's it, dude. I think that's a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Empty right. your air, air boxes. Fuck yeah. Empty your air boxes and ride fast and take chances. Harmonize.